Black Dog After Dark is recorded in a video store by people who have been drinking. We swear a lot. And there's spoilers. It's not safe for work, unless you work in a video store and have also been drinking. This urine is great. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. I know that, Mr. Man. They also call them cereals. I'm not stupid, you know. The story is ludicrous. You can imagine where it goes from here. Fixes the cable. I want to talk about drugs. Heroin! No, not heroin. Speed! No, not speed. Hashish! No. Not even hashish. Horse tranquilizers! No, not horse tranquilizers. I just heard about this new drug that makes you happy. I just want to say, fuck happy! Some days it's dark. Some days I work. I work alone. And on that, welcome to show. It Is After Dark. It is Black Dog Video here in uh, sunny, very sunny Vancouver, Canada. Well, well not sunny. at the moment, no. but it was today. Yeah. Uh, and this is Black, the Black Dog Video After Dark podcast, a.k.a. Black Dog After Dark. I am Dylan Reimer, uh, comedian and sometimes employee of Black Dog Video. And to my left is... My name is Alex Chisholm. I'm also a longtime employee of Black Dog Video. And I'm also a programmer at Vancouver's Rio Theatre, just down the street. Hmm. I'm Darren Gay. I own this uh, sweaty, shoddy establishment. Um, yeah, that's about it. And we have a special guest tonight, Craig Dorothy, who uh, who uh, has a special connection to this film we're doing tonight, which is Brain Candy, Kids in the Hall Brain Candy. 1996. And I'll let Craig tell us what that special I'm honored is. to be a guest on the show. And I uh, I scored the movie. I, I made the music for the movie, and I'm and I, and I since have done most of the things for the kids in the hall. Awesome, musically. Just musically? Well, they're <laughs> friends of mine. <laughs> I I I'll, I'd do anything for them. Yeah. You know, nice guys. They're lovely guys. Awesome. I I'd assume that they would be. Yeah. No. I've never met them. So yeah. I'm just going. Well, I'm just. Word. I'm telling you, they're they're <laughs> lovely guys. <laughs> so we're thrilled to have uh, uh, Craig here uh, to offer. I guess some insight on the production of this film. We don't usually get too much into the production. I'm hoping for some good, you know, dirty some stories. I heard Scott is gay, but I, I can neither confirm nor deny these rumors. It's, what, it's funny. We watched this on um, Saturday night with my kid and my wife, and my kid goes, is this like a gay movie? Like, everybody is gay in it, but he didn't realize that all the guys were dressed as women, playing women characters. Yes. He just thought they were all gay. Like, everybody was gay. I think that was the thing. I mean, Scott was very brave to be out when he was out and everyone assumed if there was one person who was out then the rest of them must be gay too right because just who would hang out with a gay person just by association (laughs) i remember kids in the hall well it was my pick so i guess like we'll talk about first first impressions of this film my first taste of kids in the hall was i was in grade probably grade eight what what was it like 88 or something when when the show first uh hit canadian airways i don't know exactly the date yeah i remember my grandmother was over, and uh, Kids in the Hall was on, and this was before, like, you had to be rich to have a VCR, right? Mm. So you couldn't just tape it or whatever. dollars to buy. Back, back in the day, yeah, and that was like like a mortgage for a year. But uh, <laughs> my mother thought they were obscene, and my grandmother was over, 
And I desperately, desperately wanted to watch Kids in the Hall because if uh, if you missed it, then next day in, in, in school, you wouldn't know what the hell anyone was talking around, about. Around and the you water were, cooler. You were less, yeah, the water cooler. Yeah. That's right. I spent what must have... My mother's like, you're not watching that disgusting show with your grandmother in the house. And I'm like, Mom, it's not disgusting. It's not vulgar. So it's like, she's porch. like, it's, it's damn near pornographic. I'm like, it's not... She, to her, Kids in the Hall was pornography. Because, well, my mother is a very... It's my mother. Come on, man. Good pornography. <laughs> Hilarious. You don't, even, fun, you don't, even, you don't even want to jerk off. You're laughing so hard. Yeah. But like, I'd spent like a good 15 minutes just nagging and nagging and, and defending Kids in the Hall. And then the opening sketch was this one where Kevin McDonald is like this teenage boy who winds up being violated by a Rottweiler. And then my mother just jumped up and ran over and like turned the TV off and that was it. And I couldn't stop laughing. And then so Pornography. I was like, I'm addicted to this show. And and uh, and then out of the blue, 1996, I must have been about 22, so that's about seven, six or seven years later, the movie Brain Candy comes out. I was there opening weekend. So, so you would not watched it before then? Okay, so since then, for your first exposure? Oh, no, 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 no. The... I'm, just, I'm just trying to illustrate the importance oh, of like, how significant the show Kids in the Hall is to, this, to some kid from Surrey in like right. 1988. I run out opening weekend to watch it. The whole time, I was did just you, thinking... Did you I... take your grandmother? And all I could think the entire time I was watching it was, I have to come back on LSD. That's a whole podcast. Yeah. You on LSD, what you thought of the film. We're going to find out. <laughs> Alex, first impressions of uh, Kids in the Hall? Like Kids in the Hall in general? Or, or, the or just the, the movie. Remind me, what year did this film come 96. out? 96. Okay. So 96? Mm-hmm. Really? Is that late? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was earlier than that. I first saw this film, not in theaters, but on video. So, yeah, I was living in Montreal at the time. I was in college. And I watched this film, me and my roommates, who were all Kids in the Hall fans, with a lot of apprehension because we were big kids in the hall van and let's face it tv shows converted into films don't always really generally they don't work out that they well. fall look, short look at all the bad sorry live movies that exactly came and then but look at the good one <laughs> blues brothers wayne's world okay <laughs> but there were yeah mostly examples of films like of that type adapted from tv that weren't good the initial reviews and publicity really trashed this movie. Really moralistic stuff because I even remember there was a review saying about it was about the it was in the Montreal Gazette I think and it was talking about like this hostile press junket they had because critics were really offended by the Cancer Boy character. And I'll get to that Cancer yeah, Boy. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about Cancer. But I watched this film with a lot of apprehension and my roommates <laughs> and I and like the few friends who were there who were all from Americans Hall it just coincided. That's more or less, it wasn't so much we were avoiding, it's just like, let's all get together and watch it. When we finally made that happen, it blew us away. We all loved it. I completely loved it, and I was pissed off by all the shitty publicity the film had been getting and the unfair critical slamming, because I loved it. So it turns out something nice. It's something really new. fascinating for me to hear this, like, yeah. because I was so deep in the dark hole of making the film, and then... And then living what this felt like to have everybody look at it. It's so amazing. It's fascinating for me. To oh, I'm sure people. it is, yeah. I haven't really talked to anybody about it that much other than fans who come up and say, hey, you did that? Right. That's so cool. Yeah. And so you're not going to hear from people who, uh, like the moralistic side of it, that's why I would watch it. If there was moral outrage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't oh, avoiding that's a, that's it. Well, that's a, that's I wasn't a, avoiding it because of that. Like, the reviews I read were yeah. just bad. I can't remember them all at the time. But whatever reviews I did read were bad. 
But yeah, I I mean the moralistic stuff. It wasn't certainly avoiding it because of that, but it just pissed me off no, even more because the film's so. The film, though, but those criticisms after I actually watched the film, I had only read about them without seeing the film. I was, I was just, whatever, I'll watch the movie. I wasn't taking them seriously or anything. But when I finally did watch the movie, I was outraged myself that people were outraged in the way they were. It's a completely brilliant film. Did you take to the streets? Just so loved D, it instantly. Yeah. What is your first... You the, 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 the first time I saw Kids in the Hall, I was actually in Florida for some reason. And uh, I probably had a few drinks and got back at the hotel room and it came on and I didn't even know what it was. And next thing I know, uh, Gavin's asking if his head was made of veal, how much would it cost? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was like hooked, like, like, like right then and there. I just, this is amazing. This is so funny. And I was a fan ever since then. I just, and so I sought it out wherever it was because it bounced around from between, I think it was on NBC for a while. HBO. CBS. HBO, CBS. It, it, just, yeah, it just moved, it moved, it moved, it moved all over the place. And so I would follow it and it was always great. And then uh, when the movie came out, I had pretty high expectations. Unfortunately, they weren't, those expectations weren't met for me. I thought I liked a lot of it. A lot mm-hmm. of it I thought wasn't really that great. Yeah. Um, for a movie that I I, I expected more. Maybe that was it because I you know I love this love these guys so much and I expected more. And then uh, but it's it was still fun and I haven't watched it since. I watched it same with you. I watched it on video when it came out. So probably around 1997 I guess. Um, I guess it would be after I moved here on VHS and. Um, Craig, you have a unique perspective on this. I do. I, I'm, I don't know where to start. I met the kids in the hall. I was also a fan. My first coming to the kids in the hall was the same way you guys did. I saw it on television and in, in our band, we all related to it, loved it. And so when we were traveling or whatever, we had tapes of kids in the hall. We'd watch them all the time. And we came home from the road after our first album was out, and we'd been gone a lot, away from families and things like that. We were finally home, and Kids in the Hall were playing at the Vogue. And w- our practice space was next door in the basement of what what is still the Roxy. And uh, we, our tour manager was working on the show next door, and we couldn't get in. It was sold out. So he... He went to the show, and they were playing our album before the show. Oh, really? Huh. So he went up to the sound guy, Al Miller, who, if you're into the Kids in the Hall or Bruce, Bruce's records, his name would pop out on the, the album. There's uh, a song, the, I think, the, named the, after him. On the first record. And uh, he, he said, so who, who decided to put the Odds album on now? He goes, oh, the kids did. They loved that band. So <laughs> we, we, he came back and said, well, I, I work for them. Do you want me to bring them down? He says, yeah, bring them all tomorrow night. So we came down, and the rest is... We met, we had a party next door after the show, and um, I handed them the demo tape for our, our second album, like all the demos. And um, then we just started working together in dribs and drabs. Over time, they, they helped us with a video we made for a single on that next record, and later did more with us and then uh, when they were going to make brain candy they said do you think you could score a feature film <laughs> and i just went yeah how hard could it I've be ne- how hard could it be oh and you guys are sort of breaking up and oh right, yeah, yeah and, dave's mad doesn't want to do the movie and scott's brother died and, oh. and your marriage is breaking up and 
it was a dark time, and there was a, it was a really hard movie to make, and it was the first one I ever did. God, so glad I did. Did, 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 did you do anything with a TV show? Uh, not the first years. I did the series uh, Death Comes to Town that they did right. a little while back. I never saw and that. Was that, was that. Was that good? You want to see that? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah. I thought it was good. Uh, I always think it's good. Of course. But I, I thought it was great. And then I did um, Young Drunk Punk for Bruce, and I did Dog Park for Bruce, a feature film. And mm-hmm. I've was, seen Dog Park. I've I seen Dog it, Park. I saw it on CBC Late Night a few years ago, again, when Natasha I was in Montreal. Anstridge and Luke That's right. Wilson, yeah. Yeah, I did that, and I did. So I, I, I'm doing a series for, for Bruce coming up, and... He's worked on a series that my kids created, so it's it's a family affair. Oh right, now. he does the um, this blows. This blows, yeah, yeah the uh, the web series, which is really good. Thank Check you. it out. Thank Check you. it out. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a YouTube got, thing? Uh, CBC. Okay. Um, my son directed it, and my he's daughter. He's my defense partner. He's a really good guy. <laughs> yeah. Really good and my daughter <laughs> was the lead, and and Bruce created it with my kids, so I got the gig, which was great. Mm-hmm. My kids finally got me a gig. But uh, so I, it's kind of a family affair. But that's how the story of me and the kids in the hall. And I, I worked on their tours and was the MD for those and played live with them and stuff after. So this, was this around when, when they played the Vogue in? I think it was like maybe ninety three. It would be ninety two. Ninety two. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and Brent Butt was he opened for yeah, the kids. I met him. Is that, that night. how you met him and, yeah. and wound up uh, uh, writing yeah, for Corner Gas? We've been friends since that night. Yep. Fantastic. Well, Brent's just, it's impossible not to be friends with him. He's fantastic Nicest guy. guy on the planet. I, I had the pleasure of meeting him. Yeah. One night, yeah, many years ago at the Rio, we had Paul F. Tompkins do a show there. Love Paul oh, F. Tompkins. Paul's awesome. Yeah. And Brent Butt came to see the show. And then afterwards, my boss, Corinne Lee, and I, and a couple of friends, and another coworker, Daniel, and another friend, we, uh, we ended up at the Waldorf. With Ooh, uh, Brent Butt and Paul F. Tompkins and had a few times. drinks. Yeah, mm-hmm. a couple of tiki drinks. And yeah, he was just he was just being himself. But I was laughing like he was telling comedy because he, he was just a funny guy. He's an amazing funny guy. I think he's the best stand up in this country. Nice. Uh, and uh, he's he uh, we met that night and a man of high integrity as well because he said maybe I don't know a year later and one boozy night some in some club. Hey, if I ever get a TV show, would you do the music for it? And I said, of course I would. You're just thinking, ah, this is is whatever. And maybe, I don't know how many years later, it must have been at least 10 years later, he phoned me and said, you remember when when I asked (laughs) you to do that and you said you would? And I said, I don't remember, but I I sure will. And he goes, well, I got a show. Oh, that's amazing. That's what I did. I I feel bad I'm the only one that hasn't met Brett. How's everyone's drinks? Um, I would like another, please. Invite them down to your podcast. Yeah. Well, like all the kids in the hall and like Brent, they're all film buffs. They're all... They're encyclopedic knowledge well, I, I, of certain areas of film, like Kevin McDonald and Dave Foley, insane knowledge of film, and, and same, well, I, same, I, I, with, same with Brent. Well, I, I, I'm sure that's what that's part of what makes them so funny too. And when you're watching stuff like Kids in the Hall, and they have these little references, not everyone's going to get it, mm-hmm. but people that are, you know, that maybe have a little bit of knowledge in film and get those little kind of things. Speaking yeah. of funny movies, oh, yeah, we should have this movie. Yeah. Brain Candy, 1996, 
Kelly Macon, director? I looked up Kelly Macon because I had never heard of Kelly Macon. I'm not even sure if it's a man or woman. I assume it's a man. It's a man. But yeah, I did a lot of TV stuff. A lot of kids in the hall, obviously. Mm -hmm. I think he directed like 30 episodes or something like that. And um, did one other movie after that with Hugh Grant. Mickey Blue Eyes. That's right. So this movie, plot-wise, there's not really... It doesn't really have that much of a story. It kind of... But it's all about tone. Got that like swinging '60s kind of weird. Well, but, but with with grunge though, so it's set in the grunge area. Yeah, it's ridiculing era. the '90s, which is why I love it. Yeah. I, I think you probably get a lot more of this movie if you were around in the 1990s. Well, I think uh, we all were. Well, we were, but yeah. I, I don't know if you rented this out to say to a 21 or Gus. Like I don't Gus think liked, Gus liked they it. would. He liked it a lot. Oh yeah, no, I, I find this film timeless. Yeah, like he, it's yeah, obviously he, making fun of because it was 1996. It's making fun of well, stuff. When, when, uh, I mean, it would have been filmed in like '93 or whatever '94, but obviously it's making fun of stuff at its time. But I find this film totally well, yeah, timeless. Yeah, well, it is. It is. Bruce. Bruce is the the band like Bruce's Death Gloom and Doom. That's every generation. Has a band yeah, like but it's, it's funny. Every generation it's funny has goes, yeah. By the way, uh, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, correct? But uh, like, I I went out, I sought out the soundtrack to Brain Candy. It's and I just movie. actually, it's a great soundtrack. Yeah, it when, is. I, when I was looking at the credits at the end, this Matador was a cool label. It was a it was a labor of love to working with them was great, but mm-hmm. the idea of and I was going to say to deal with the idea of its timeless quality has a lot to do with Greg Keane, the uh, designer. He worked on a lot of stuff of theirs. He's a uh, he's brilliant. And if you look at how it looks and the colors chosen and the eras that are cross blended into how it looks and how it sounds, it really is not of the nineties. It's really a different. It, it doesn't feel like it could have been eighties. It could have been. Yeah, like it could have been. And that's Greg Keane. Yeah. Yeah. He's really sure. a genius. But yeah, it starts out with a, this swooping shot through Toronto. Uh, they you know, never identify what city. No, but yeah. It's, but, it's, it's, well, but obviously, but, but, the but Sam I, the I always, I always appreciated that it was obviously Toronto. I mean... You see the Sam the Record Man yeah, sign. Yeah, yeah and, uh, and there's there's a few vignettes. There's there's the the, psychi- the German the, the German guy at the psychiatrist. Uh, it's like an incredible one-take, long-take simulation. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's that awesome. was so funny. And, and then the white so trash awesome. couple where it's like, I can't believe you slept with my sister and then told me about oh, it. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're two of my favorite characters from uh, The Kids in the Hall. Yeah, the, their yeah. wedding is fucking oh, great. He's, he's was, offering up a pest, on, baby. <laughs> a pest control truck as like a makeup <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gift to her. Yeah, and it, it's uh, it's narrated. Well, I guess beginning bookended <laughs> with the uh, the angry but, cab driver played like, by uh, Mark McKinney. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Inex- inexplicably, there's some guy, some middle-aged guy, looking in the mirror and trying to buff himself up, and then realizing how hopeless it is, and then just like <laughs> oh. his shoulders just <laughs> the slump. And that's what I love about this movie is it. it and when I say that it's, it's not, it's not like plot driven or whatever. I, like I, I mean that in a good way. The plot doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the drug is successful. It doesn't matter what happens. Like it's just it's it's just a, like a not an excuse, but it's just a a framework. A, a framework, yeah, yeah. To, to have all this great stuff. And then it goes into the Death Lurks concert, which is by the way why I bought the fucking soundtrack because when I was uh, I guess I I was about yeah I was about uh, twenty two. I've always been obsessed with fake bands and like in mm-hmm. like I loved CB4, uh, Spinal Tap. It just, just anytime it was a, a satirical take on a musical genre, I've I always Spinal, loved it. Spinal Tap is and, the and is death the and death lurks was just like, yeah. oh, thank God someone's finally doing Nine Inch Nails, 
and it's just oh, yeah. and, and Bruce the way he's standing, it's like his his ass is out. He's kind of hanging. He's like a gorilla. <laughs> he reminds me of total Glenn Danzig. Oh, there. totally yeah. Danzig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that totally. she rides the night era kind of thing. Yeah. So are odds actually the the the, the yeah. remainder of of death? So you're in there. Are, are, you, are you the guy with the cornrows? No, no, we're not on screen. Time. We're the ones actually playing. I didn't realize. Oh, okay. So okay, we're playing as death lurks, but cool. the guys. Uh, Alan Piggins from uh, the Morgan Fields and the drummer uh, from the Morgan Fields, and I can't remember who played the bass player uh, and Bruce. I can't remember the bass player. Sorry. No offense, no offense. Like you know, the bass player is listening right now. There's no offense. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. Well, we did that in Metalworks in uh, in Toronto, which was you know funny. Is that a, is that a, is that a bar? Is that a, it's, it's a, a nightclub? It's a studio. 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 Yeah. Okay post but we recorded that tune bruce and stephen drake and i wrote it and uh and same with happiness pie their transformation which you can get into later if if we're going linear in a linear way yeah more or less it doesn't really matter and reed diamond from the shadowy men was a yeah because shadowy men did most of the music for the tv show they did yeah Yeah. they weren't involved in brain candy okay i saw them i saw them a few times way back in the day I was just going to add that I, too, own the soundtrack on vinyl, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I have a vinyl copy. No, I don't Shit. even have a vinyl You're way cooler copy. than yeah. me. You're cooler than me, too. I don't have one. <laughs> what music is on the soundtrack? So the, 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 there will be giants in Stereo Lab. And, they uh, might be giants. What did yeah. I say? <laughs> I don't play the record that much because I, I kind of cherish it. But Liz Fair is on this? Sorry. Yeah. yeah so I can't Liz remember. Liz Fair is on there. and uh, Oh, sorry. Darren was asking. Uh the hip are on there. Right, yeah, right, uh, but yeah, there. butts wiggling. I think. Yep. God, I haven't listened to it in years. There's a song called Chocolate Cake that I love, but I can't remember who did. Chibo Mato. Yeah, that's oh, right. I like Chibo Mato. Yeah, Tango are on there. That's a great sound. It was like a cool album. I w- I worked with Matador, which some a lot of those artists came from that label, and uh, it was sort of like shoehorning music into the movie in a way, but trying to with the score thread a uh, through line like trying to figure out the commonalities between the stuff that we wanted to put in that was going to be dropped in as incidental music or source music and then finding a score was it really an interesting aesthetic challenge to tie all that music together mm, i bet so like like do you do you have a hand in that like when you were doing yeah so you were you were choosing let's grab this this uh hip they, song for the elevator scene and stuff like that what i did was i asked the artists for their master tapes like stereo lab did 29 mixes of it they were so nice they, oh, I, mean, I, lo- I was always been a huge stereo, stereo lab was so nice it's so, so sweet. It's nice to hear that. They, the they went over the top, <laughs> and uh, and then the the uh, the hip gave me the multi tracks, because I said I really like this this motif. Can I take your multi tracks and score to it so that I can record on your masters and create these pieces where I wanted them to land and and have the flexibility? And they were fantastic. Oh, that's, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. It gives you room to work and and not just be confined to what people want and it was doug elliott bomber former mm-hmm. bomber uh and myself and pat stewart in the basement of the roxy doing this on a little tiny 16 channel board that we brought in there downstairs in the heat with no air conditioning oh, yeah. <laughs> must have been fun so you you just you just keep watching the movie over and over again and trying to fit the music in and how did like, is that how that well yeah, more or less the the music that is dictated by what you see is inspired by what you see. So right. uh, you 
you kind of it's a bit of a jigsaw puzzle if there's things that that they want to be in there you have to figure out how they somehow support a scene right right they you just can't, can't just can't, they throw just can't be in there no. if they don't so um the rest you write to support what's going on but it was a fairly music driven movie it seems yeah. to, it seems to be uh like 60s lounge uh, I felt more surf guitar twang. Yeah, it, it definitely had some of the um, uh, Shadowy Men sort of sound from the TV show in in the movie a little bit as well. I, I, I guess, was that inspired from the, the TV show as well? I thought it was a homage to Brian Conley from the... To, for me, I thought from, that was... A, uh, from the Shadowy Men, I thought that was an important part of who they were. Mm-hmm. But I also didn't want it to be just a throwback thing, so I incorporated um, mallet instruments and things that were evocative of, just like you said, space age uh, bachelor pad music. Yeah. And uh, and which is a could kind of kind of give them a, yeah could kind of give them a an era that nobody who was actually watching it would actually. No, you except can't, maybe you guys. You can't quite pinpoint. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Just, just Alex. You can't really pinpoint it because there were other elements going on too. My favorite parts of this movie are uh, when you see the because for those of you who haven't seen the movie who are listening, although I assume you have, but if you haven't, it's about a drug that that allows you to perfectly uh, relive your your happiest life memory ever it's it's a satire Um, of prozac and yeah it's like a piss take and i think that's why why i say like it really helps if you grew up in in the 90s because at the time prozac and they're giving to kids and shit Mm -hmm. you know when someone takes takes the drug and then they're my favorite i I have two favorites my favorite was uh scott thompson's old lady the first one who takes the drug and her happiest moment is this horrible yeah it's (laughs) mrs mrs herdicure mrs herdicure the best name ever her her family comes over for christmas she's made this nice dinner and it's uh dave foley and his awful family his kids are screaming they come in he downs a drink and they leave and they leave (laughs) right away by adding you know how the kids hate old people and like the kids are calling her stupid and stuff it's a harmonica my favorite it's my favorite favorite joke in the whole movie is they even ruin the surprise yeah like i wonder what this is it's a harmonica <laughs> which is like the worst gift you could give an old lady i guess i don't know what you could do with that oh. well yeah, no, that, I, that's I, one I, of the many and i feel this film i'm dead serious yeah. i'm laughing and stuff and that but i don't like the way they do is totally brilliant and stuff again though another this is a very political film and i'm serious like a big comment on what is a hot button topic these days, although it's always going on elder abuse. It's played comedically and it's hilarious, but this film has the most serious. No, and no, I don't even think in passing. I think this film fires off. I don't. I'm not oh, one to overanalyze either, but I find yes, this film. Totally well, we're talking about a film like all about you know <laughs> antidepressants of the time and stuff like that. But I find it makes very packed with social commentary, like the show was. Yeah, maybe, yeah. This is a compliment. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's no. what makes the film brilliant. This film, later on with the Kevin uh, McDonald character, makes the um, whole like joke, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it, it comments on like suicide and stuff with the, the father of his oh, character God, and yeah, stuff like that. that. And that was so clinical funny. depression. <laughs> We're talking dead serious topics, but it hits satirically, <laughs> like laser precision, 
of very serious topics. I'm serious. I don't mean to sound like I'm... No, 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 no. I'm prone to exaggeration no, just, stuff, just, but I'm not just, you like... You just sound stoned. That's all. No, no, I'm serious. This film, this is one of the many serious topics this film handles brilliantly, yeah, is well, elder sure. abuse, okay, well, and it comes that's, back. We'll, we'll talk about it later. Well, think, well that's, but, also, that's also what makes great satire. Like suicide and like elder abuse, sure, if you want. Like it, monkey abuse. They you know? touch on it later. Oh, yeah, animal testing and everything. This film is like, wall-to-wall awesome well, social commentary. I think the largest contingent of social commentary, uh, at least the most significant one, was was all the gay stuff. This that, is a, too, This course. is a super gay movie at a time when uh, there was still gay panic uh, in popular culture. A progressive decade, but people still freaked out about anything gay for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Like We hadn't quite gotten there yet. I don't know if we still if we've gotten there yet. Well, we're yeah, at the time, the number one bad. criticism from my friends, and my friends were like, you know, punks and like fucking alt kids and whatever, and we were all cool, you know? <laughs> we, we stuck it to the man as best we could. Yeah. A bunch of angry students. And the number one complaint about this movie that I heard was too much gay stuff. Really? It, <laughs> totally. Everyone's like, oh, it's just too gay. And I was like, what are you talking too about? Gay. Like, have you watched the TV show? There's one of the elements that makes up the kids in the hall is just blatant in that, homosexuality. I, I, I wonder I wonder like if the gay stuff would have been as funny or acceptable in this movie if Scott Thompson wasn't gay playing the gay guy. Probably not. Because yeah, it because it was a little it's a little it was a little like a little much at times. Like it was like a little ridiculous. Like when he's storming like the uh, no, yeah. what it when, is. When they're, they're like on a training mission or something. Yes. And you see a couple guys showering. Oh, it's awesome. Yes. And then but, you, know, you, see, you see his bare ass. And his, like, well, here's <laughs> the thing little, about it's that. It's a little over the top. It is. The battle it, scenes I thought were great. Yeah. But here's. That was really you'll funny. Do, you'll Hilarious. do push-ups with me lying on your back. Hilarious. <laughs> and uh, But the thing that I love about the scene where that you just referred to that's over the top of the shower. Yes. But when, <laughs> when he yeah. they show the memory, he. You repressed it, though. We later find out this whole miracle drug, things go horribly awry, it has all these nasty side effects, which we'll get into later, but we find that the Scott Thompson character, he's locked (laughs) in the memory, he's locked in a memory of being basically um, browbeaten verbally by this drill sergeant when he, whatever period of his life he was in the military. The part, the ridiculous part where it's over the top where his ass is cut out is that Yet again, the Mark McKinney drill sergeant character, he's totally blasting him and yelling at him. He's standing there, the Scott Thompson character, and then you see him thinking about that. And right when he runs, you see him assless. He's basically given orders to go fuck other soldiers while while everyone else is masturbates. But then it cuts to him. It cuts back to him. He's thinking about it. What For me, that scene is like it's his first gay fantasy. It's like an over-the-top fantasy. Mm. But then right after that, it cuts back to Scott smiling in a lineup. So, you so su- it's like, are you it's suggesting- his first fantasy. Of course it's so, 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 Alex, Alex, are you suggesting that uh, the, the first memory where it's like, hard muscles! You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 like that was the reality. But then he'd been yes. taking the drug so, so much that now reality is bending. And, well, no. And something I, that didn't actually happen. No, no. Like, it's, it's not, like a fantasy. Well, no, no, it's not that. It's not that. it didn't happen. No, it's not that. Because they, have, they don't have assless. Yeah. Well, I assumed, no. I assumed it happened. No, no, no. I'm <laughs> okay, not saying that. He, it's <laughs> not a fantasy because he's <laughs> on not. the drug. I think it actually happened. No, it's not a fantasy because it's on, he's on the drug. I'm just saying the way the scene's structured, you see him standing there being yelled at by Mark McKinney. Then it cuts to that scene where they're, he's ordered to go fuck the other soldiers by Mark McKinney. Right after that, it cuts back to Scott so smiling. Matter of fact, the way you're... 
No, I don't think it's actually a memory. He's remembering the first gay fantasy he had, and he was totally tripping out on this sexual fantasy while the drill sergeant is browbeating him. I don't even think Mark how, McKinney. How did you get all that? Okay. Because I've seen the film several so times. So you are doubling down on this then. So it never uh, actually happened. In my opinion, no, because it cuts back to Scott smiling at the end of so that. So it's thought. just and that, that's when he collapses on the uh, pavement at the end there. Yeah, they should have made that no. clear. And all, and all his pills spill No, I, that's but that's oh by the way, that's just and that's a theory that I only came up with with this latest viewing. I've seen this film between wow, ten this and is twenty like times. I'm going to say deep, but, seen more than you have. I'm just going to well, guess. I, I've got to say that this is so fun. You have worked on it, and have you guys? have this discussion when I just thought it was funny. <laughs> I just thought what what they were probably thinking, which is like, you know, when the guy shows up at John Lennon's door to interpret his lyrics for him in the, in the Imagine documentary and, and that... That's so creepy, and he invites him in for dinner. I don't, I don't think it is of it as creepy. I think of it as, <laughs> as you put that thing out there, and it's it's whatever intent you had. It's not yours anymore. It's yours. Sure. And so so what you think about it is probably the truth. And what they were intending to do was to create this cool piece of art with what with all these restrictions of a studio yelling at them to when you oh. get to Cancer Boy and you oh, talk yeah. about what happened with that and all the thing the pressure they were under and they were always under from the beginning of being kids in the hall and they had a credo that they would never give in to. Talk about later. Seeing and and feeling the nuance of the film, yeah. and it and uh, creating these great ideas out of it. That yeah, they're there. Mm, nice. How, how do I support them? We're yeah. obsessed with this... it, man. Uh, I am clinically depressed. That's the thing. I am on what? medication. I never would have hired you if I knew that. I'm clinically depressed. <laughs> I am on meds, and I in it. I just feel this film totally. What, I'm a user of this product. I really love. There's that speech at one point. The Kevin McDonald character, he sums it up so well where, like, it's for people who can't, like, get off floor. I'm saying as a antidepressant user, which I stand by, I know it's over-prescribed. That's why I love Brain Candy, for all its faults, and let's not act like it's a perfect movie. No, it's not a perfect movie. Uh, no, there's, a, there's a lot of things that don't I'll act like I, it. I, I, in the no, there's a but, lot of things that uh, don't work in this but, movie. Okay, Kids in the Hall, they start out uh, at the Rivoli in Toronto. They did a couple of specials for HBO. They went up ready for Saturday Night Live. All people don't realize yeah, that before Kids in the Hall was ever on yeah. CBC, like, they had a career in, in, in the States, typical of Canadians, right? Um, and then uh, Lauren Elliott pretty much strong-armed the CBC into into putting them on the air. Lauren Elliott? Lauren Michaels. Lauren Elliott. <laughs> Does anybody remember Lauren Elliott, the comedian? Uh, yeah. Crazy red hair? But I, I always say the wrong Lauren. Well, apparently the Mark McKinney uh, character is based on Lauren Michaels. So then they get popular here and they get on CBS. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the CBS. Or C CBC? CBS. You sure with CBS? It started with HBO and then it went to CBS. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, and they had like three the, years, the maybe last, four years the on last CBC. Two seasons were CBS. Were CBS, but if you watch those CBS ones, in fact, they even they what even a weird show to have they on even like American Network. mock themselves because uh, they have a sketch called Tarzan at the Office, and it's just so bland. And then halfway through, they say uh, this sketch is a result of a producer telling us we need to be more like Saturday Night Live. No, more like the. Uh, Sonny and Cher show. Oh, is that or okay? Sonny and Cher because it's a Tarzan. Because it's a fucking hilarious sketch. World's here's a fire guy and it's like world's smallest violin Tarzan played just for you. Anyways, is that where that came from? Yeah. Uh, so, I think so because good. of the strength of them being on CBS is how I could be mistaken. I don't know, but I'm gonna assume that because they were on CBS for a couple of seasons, 
that's what gave them the leverage to actually get a movie. Now you got a movie, you're the kids in the hall, you're awesome, you're cutting edge, uh, you're groundbreaking, but you're also on CBS. Right. And so when I watch this movie, I see both. I, I see a really original, brave film with a lot of really dumb, unfunny, bad jokes. Yeah. And uh, 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 like a love plot that goes absolutely nowhere. Like the subplot between... Oh, like like what, what was what was Bruce McCullough's? Uh, oh, like, what was her name? Like uh, her, like, whatever her name was. I can't remember. Well, who I didn't ha- use who the has, words who has my favorite but... line? And it's just oh, it cuts to a scene, and she goes, uh, "This urine is great." Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guy, love that storyline. and line. I were howling at that line. <laughs> I love that storyline. And by the way, the scene where, yeah, because Kevin McDonald is playing a uh, scientist named Chris Cooper, of course, who invents the drug and. Yeah. And, his... and was also like this, the art director or something. Yeah, he's honest. the editor. He's the editor. Yeah. 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 I, I was. I, assumed, the... I, I assumed it was named. He was like uh, sure. from the actor, but it wasn't. It was, it was before the, the actor really no, became super known. Yeah. Film. But uh, and then the Bruce McCullough character. I'm sorry, the character he plays, the female character, the scientist it's assistant. Like, it's like a my name. Even though I watched it last night, and uh, I've seen it a million times. There's only so much information. This Kathy from the show. Yeah, not Kathy. Anyway. I'll remember. When you but, you know, I found that completely <laughs> charming, and there's a scene, it was totally unintentional, the filmmakers didn't know about it, but they skewer the cliche of, like, the romance that kind of goes nowhere. They're actually skewering a real cliche there, a film, and Contact has a scene. The, the movie, scene the, where the, Kevin McDonald... Rob, yes, Robert Zemeckis? Yeah, okay. Kevin McDonald confessing his father's tragic past, inspiring for his current work, to the Bruce McCullough character, there's a scene almost identical and unintentionally hilarious because of the scene in the Kids of the Hall movie. They were made without knowing one another. Robert Zemeckis' contact, there's a scene where Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey are laying in bed together and they share. Uh-huh. I forget if it's either, it's been years since I've seen it, but it's either Jodie Foster to him or McConaughey to her. It's like, oh yeah, well my dad or whatever. And, Tells that same kind of sentimental story. And <laughs> but by it, the way, it didn't have the comic edge to it, though, did it? What? It, it wasn't. It wasn't it, no, but it's really hilarious it. because, because I didn't. I wouldn't that. have found it that funny if Brain Candy didn't exist. But now that I've seen it in Brain Candy, it's I can't take that scene seriously yeah. at all. Okay, right so am I the only one who sees a tonal inconsistency in this film? What do you mean? Like, like it's tr- yeah. like on the one hand, it's it's uh, it's cutting edge and it's it's. Uh, like I would have rather they had no budget and just made like a super hardcore porn. Porn. In- <laughs> yes, actually that would have been amazing. For your grandma. Yeah. Skid marks yeah. in the hall. I don't know what would you call it. Your, your, your uh, dr- mama finally. Candy. What would a kids in the hall porn be called? Oh, Kids and uh oh, let's not go. Kids there. in the kids ball. Are, kids <laughs> and porn. Kids in the ball. Yeah, should, no, shut no, up. Don't have, don't have kids in the word if it's a porn film, okay? By the way, as far as I, anyways, sorry, wait, but, but that, like like but did you did no one else get this that that, that they got did, did didn't feel that maybe the money people were like like dumb this down for the general well, public? No, they, they, I, they were they were not. It's not how it works. I mean, sure, the money people are trying to exert an influence, but nobody can can tell the kids in the hall what to do. They want. They, the, they don't. And Lauren doesn't want to, and they, they died by the sword. Yeah. I mean, the decisions they made were because it's a often dysfunctional committee. You know, it's like it's it's five guys plus Norm Hiscock, who was a key writer on that, who was a key writer on, on this movie, and was uh, at Saturday Night Live, and and 
King of the Hill and Brooklyn Nine Nine since then, and show. and uh, uh, Parks and Rec. Funny show. He, he was uh, he was a key contributor too, and he was really holding the the bag. He was trying to get them all together because it was a hard time for everybody personally. So I think it's more the committee behavior. And if you read, Paul Myers just wrote a great book about the whole Kids in the Hall history, hmm. which is you'd really enjoy. Yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been wanting to read it. And I think I when it comes to brain candy, there's a lot written about brain candy and about, from their perspective, how the movie came together. So I'll put in a plug for Paul's book right here. And sure, say, do it. It's the only authorized one. There's there's a few unauthorized ones. I find it, sorry. It's called One Dumb Guy, because huh. uh, the joke within the thing is uh, separate. separately we're all... Um, pretty smart but if you put us all together we're just one time oh, yeah. <laughs> and funny. i found it really interesting and still find it really interesting you only mentioned a moment ago when we were opening that everyone was going through a rough time when they made this movie because that's the big question of this film too right do you want to instantly just turn off that bad emotion or is it worth getting through well, I mentioned it's kind of hard because, like, well, I know I know it's right off the bat, uh, like when the writing credits, uh, Dave yeah, Foley, no, no is Dave not, Foley, yeah, no Dave Foley in the writing writing that, credits, and, and, and his like, scenes, like, he's like <laughs> de- notably separate from the rest of the group. Although, well, it's, 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 it, there's also a joke. Um, I don't I don't know if it's intentional or not, but where they they they're all celebrating or whatever, and because they've discovered the drug, and then off in the distance, Dave Foley's character, this guy shows up, and he goes, "Hey, Dave." Well. <laughs> Who's that guy? He goes, just some guy. Just, just a guy. <laughs> well, from what I heard is that, yeah, he almost passed on the film. He was a real... These are just stories I've heard and whatever. I heard he was forced into I read, it. I read this in Tiger Beat. But <laughs> I mean, no, no. I just, it's just stubby here. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm just one of those guys who dig for this kind of film. The story I heard was also because he had just been signed to news radio. Which, no, by no. the way... He'd been on news radio for a couple of years, hadn't he? He, well, when the film was coming together, yeah, though, yeah, it was, it he all, had, it all was a confluence of events all happening at the same time. Yes, he was about. Here's what I heard: he was dissatisfied with the script and also had a lot of leverage with talk radio going. Sorry, news radio. I always confuse it with the title of the Oliver Stone Eric Bogosian film. Please forgive me. Mm-hmm. No. News radio. What I heard was he got that big deal to be on this top sitcom, and then, which by the way. Is, is an excellent show. That's a good show. Didn't really show. live up to the critical expectations that were put on it. But because one of the, I think one of the directors of like Taxi, I think directed the pilot or something. And they expected it. Basically, the buzz before that season of network television hit the air was that news radio was going to be the mega smash. It's a great show, but it didn't reach those giant levels. And like Friends right. was kind of the surprise smash. But, um, but you know, he could have just walked away from the movie, apparently. From what I've heard is that he was supposed to play Chris Cooper, at least. That was what they were hoping, because he was the major he network was, star. He was supposed to. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm putting in another endorsement for the book, because it for explains sure. all that. And you're quite close. Okay. Quite close. Yeah, I'm not one. I'm not trying to say, hey, look, this is just no, no, you're, you fan did, you digging. Did some good digging. Thank you. No, but, it's quite close. <laughs> but by by but yeah, if anything's I, I, wrong, so, there, I, I would have loved to see Dave Foley and as as Kevin McDonald. I love Kevin McDonald. He's great, but I would love to see Dave Foley to have him. Here's the thing, though. Right, in my own Kids in the Hall 
like loving brain. I would like to. There's a scenario where there's like five versions and they're all playing different characters. Yeah. Kevin McDonald nailed much it. Were. Kevin McDonald <laughs> nailed. Yeah, of course, of course they were. But I just mean for that lead character, Kevin McDonald, I thought totally nailed it. And there is some bias because I have to just say this: he's always been my favorite kid. He's Everyone like, has the a way he kid. says, "Like, may I have a chamomile tea, please?" You know, it's just no one <laughs> says it like that. He's always been my favorite <laughs> member of like you know the band I like or whatever. He's my favorite, but. I think he totally nails it. But, yeah, of course Dave Foley could have done a great job doing it. And I think any one of them could have. I think but the way it did come together, I, I, I'm i totally satisfied with that. Uh, yeah, you're okay with that? Casting choice, yeah. yes. I'll tell you, retroactively, you, it gets my stamp of approval. So, 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 so Craig, you, you say – sorry, I think we're going to say the same thing. Yes, you go ahead. Uh, well, you said you were close to the mark there. So do, do you know the full story, the behind-the-scene thing? Sure, I do. Yeah. Yeah, are you allowed? Are you at liberty to say? Did you sign well, a non-disclosure I, agreement? I, I, well, I, I like. I, I don't want to. Every film's an NDA, but yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I wouldn't. No, that, but it's a long time ago. Yeah. I'll say the catharsis from the whole, the whole. There was a tension there, and he did leave the troupe, so he said, "I quit," basically. But he was. He came. He did it under duress. And it wasn't fun on the set. Because, you know, they came as, like you hear of all these troops, they come in kind of dyads where Kevin and Dave were best friends. And Mark and Bruce came together as from one area, and Scott was kind of the guy who came in last. And at one time there were like ten people in the Kids in the Hall in Toronto, and you know, a lot of them are in this film. Um, but... Uh, there's these close relationships and then they build other ones as they go through things. So it was really sad time to see that, that ten tension. And I only spent a couple days on set because my job was to do other stuff and didn't have to be there. But, uh, yeah, you're really close to the, the truth and the book, it flushes out all those details for you. Okay, I'll take a look at it for sure. But, and you get it from everybody's perspective. That's a common thing because, you know, like I'm a Rolling Stones fanatic and mm -hmm. Mick Taylor, of course, one of the most famous kind of departures from that band. I read where at the time, yeah, I looked up our Speaking articles. of departures. Departures, indeed. But that, who was it? Armet Erdogan who ran mm -hmm. Atlantic. They were like being distributed by Atlantic. He insisted they get him back before he officially, like he had quit the band, but there was severe record company pressure to like, get him back in the bands and stuff like that. So I suppose like there would have been a lot of contractual leanings. I'm not, you know, you only, I can't remember the device by but, which, sure. which Dave came back to the fold to make sure. a movie. I can't remember whether it was pressure or what it was, but he wasn't happy to be there. Sure. And he, he, here's the he, thing he, though. He, he's not in it much. And he's the only, uh, only kid that doesn't play a woman character. As and well. here, here's and the thing he's though. The sexiest woman. Too. And I, he's, I was going to say, well, it's, it's, it's like that big, Mark's yeah. pretty hot. He, uh, I, I think Bruce is pretty hot. He, too, uh, by the way, I, I like the tall lady. I've said it once. I've said it a million <laughs> times more. And but this has been stated by other people since. But I noticed it right away. Is that Dave Fola and Isabella Rossellini were separated at birth? I'm oh, telling you that. Beautiful woman. And <laughs> yeah. especially when he she's plays the red-coated prostitute with the. But when I watch like Blue Velvet, even and she takes the wig off. The the real the closest resemblance Again though is I'm not joking. I'm not joking is check out Fearless, the Peter Weir movie That's starring a great movie. starring Jeff Bridges and Isabella Rossellini. Great film. Isabella Rossellini has her hair tied back in a tight bun the whole time. And she looks, uh, that's when I first noticed, Jesus Christ, it's Dave Foley. They even have the charming little gap in their front teeth. But I want to wow. just, but here's the thing Foley 
I, I know I've heard these stories about him, you know, not being happy on the set. He's so good in the characters he plays, especially the resentful assistant. It Love nails it. it. Uh, hearing about this tension is revealing Wait, to me even more and more. You just said right now, Marv. Uh, yeah. Sorry about what, that thing you just mentioned yeah. just now. It pissing. We're in on the top cup, of that, Marv. Yeah. Pissing in the cup and stuff, but it's like um, this is explaining more and more why I find the film even so. Like I love the series completely, but I love the film and I recognize it's it's got elements of the show, but it's still different enough. And I think it's like a full effort, and this is explaining it more and more because because it's a, a a different energy than the show but i yeah man that really explains because he's great as that they resentful assistant he's incredible discovered themselves later yeah as far as being they're such close friends now and yes. there's so much love between all of them yes and that happened through the fire and brimstone of something like brain candy after their show had finished and they went mm. to take on this project and after living through all that, uh, Scott, I don't know if you know that about his cancer, and he they almost yeah. lost him during, and they made uh, yeah. Death Comes to Town while Scott was in chemo. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So this brought everybody together, and and after that, we did the first live Brain Candy table read in Toronto, and I don't think anybody, all the things that you guys are talking about, how how the flaws of this movie, there's something about it that we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, so they thought, well, why don't we just do it for fun? We'll go take get a theater in Toronto and we'll do a table read. And that was the cast and um, Dan Redican, who's, you mentioned the frantics. Frantics, earlier. yeah. Brilliant guy. Jackie Harris, who's in Brain Candy. Uh, Jackie Harris Greenberg now. Uh, and um, we did, they covered, she covered almost all the female things, characters. And then uh, Dan did the other characters. They did a live table read, and I got a band together and <clears throat> resurrected the score and underscored all the scenes live. I almost remember that was a lot of fun. That sounds it was incredible. Amazing. So, so, so when, when you say like, so was would the, the film be the projected and certain you guys scenes? Like, scenes? and then when we did Death Lurks, the band played with Bruce playing the tune, and right. we did the the songs and Happiness Pie. And, and everyone's there reading the script. Everyone's through. reading, and uh, and I got. Um, um, Chris Murphy from Sloan and and Greg McDonald plays keys with Sloan and uh, um, um, Jer uh, sorry Nick Dar uh, Tom Darcy and Kevin Hilliard so Toronto guys and we had a band and and Gord Downey sang Butts Wiglin at the mm. end awesome. with us and uh, that must have been great. Andy Mays sang um, Happiness, the... the um, Happiness Pie? <laughs> no, he sang Happiness, which is the Matthew Sweet song on okay. the tail credits. But oh, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we did it, and there's 3,000 people there. That's amazing. And it sold out, and we went, what? Like, And at the end, we showed, we all watched the alternate ending. Right. I watched that tonight for Which the first nobody time. had watched for ages on some bad VHS copy on a giant screen, so it looked terrible. Oh, sure. But I looked over at everybody, and we, everybody had their arms around each other, and it was like that moment where, oh, I guess it's all healed now. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, like, wow. It was, a, it was a beautiful moment. Yeah. And then we did it again in San Francisco, and Bobcat Goldthwait did some of the characters. Oh, really? Oh, amazing. Yeah. Did you do Cancer it, Boy? 
Yeah, yeah, he didn't do Cancer Boy. Is cancer it, Boy! I, I am the whistling. I, I wrote that tune, and I'm the whistler. <laughs> I think, know. again, Cancer <laughs> Boy. me whistling. Awesome. That's oh, awesome. Another thing that Wait, really... So, so, that, that, that was fucking hilarious. Again, Gus and I were The fields of Athenry, yeah. So we... Uh, Whistle while you're low. We <laughs> need to talk about Cancer Boy. Sure. Because uh, this is the other thing, other than the, 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 the gay... <laughs> it's like the two things... Is Cancer that Boy gay? The thing, I don't know. Is that what you're well, to? Uh, well, no, no. I, but when this movie came out, and I was raving about it constantly, like I was a full-on brain candy nerd. Um, what, <laughs> what, <laughs> what are you doing? He's showing a, a boxes with Isabella Rossellini and Dave it's Foley. Crazy. Yeah, they do look alike. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I'm being blinded. Hold on. <laughs> It's true. Uh, uh, listeners, if a you can brother see this, sister resemblance. I don't know. This, that don't completely know. fades. They, they got the, the same eyebrows, but I don't see it. I do see it. Anyways, Alex well, has a point. Yes. They could be cousins. <laughs> you should get a photo of you holding these boxes mm-hmm. later. Um, Anyways, are, okay. So the two main complaints against this film that I had, because I, again, when it came out. By the way, I'm not the complaint department. You you're know, not. Well, it's close. <laughs> you're the close. You're the closest thing close, to it. Yes. <laughs> Was uh, they would either say it was too gay, or they would say, uh, "I thought Cancer Boy was just wildly inappropriate." Well, I know, I know, I know. Was it was it, was it uh, Universal? Was that the studio behind uh, Paramount? Paramount. No, 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 they, 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 they did not want Cancer these Boy. These are not even movie. studios. These are just people who are no, kids but, and no, all but fans. Do you still feel in? 2019 that it's too gay well i watched too gay no well, god no no i don't, I, don't um, I, I never thought it was too gay i just thought the gay was it was just too um exaggerated i don't i don't know i, I just i don't I, there's, there's 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 actually there's just one scene actually two scenes in particular i thought were it's just like oh come on which it scenes? was when they when they he, the cops run into the bathroom that's the like my favorite and a thousand scene. dudes run out it's which is good. funny that, that that was funny but when they did the callback later when they're in the lab and all the dudes run out again I was like oh I like I like to it, me to me that maybe grow I liked it even more I liked it even more you like the callback I I remember at the time thinking the callback joke was kind of obvious and dumb but for some reason I watched it last night with a friend of mine and. uh it's fucking hilarious watching Scott Thompson walk out in the short shorts with the mustache and like, what's it? It was all yours, Captain, or yeah. whatever. It's yeah. it's just unabashedly and brazingly. Sure, it, it, and for, actually for that yeah. time, I think it's like that's amazing that they did that. And that and, like, yeah, uh, that yeah. also most I think, likely. I think it's fun. It's I, I I just see it as fun. Like for me, I, I'm a hard sell when it comes to comedies. Like yeah. it takes a lot. It's got to be really clever and funny to make me laugh, or really stupid and funny. Anyways, but there's they're, they're, like most of this movie, spot on. But yeah. there's just a couple things I just I just rolled my eyes. Uh, Bruce McCullough is as uh, the, uh, the the woman assistant when she runs off and crashes into something and runs off and knocks the old lady. I was like, uh, no, I, I loved it. Okay, I, maybe, so you... I, maybe I don't like. Yeah. That's just me. I don't know. I just like just roll my eyes and groan. And that, so. and, that, and and it's moments like that actually that uh, my friend. Ben and I noted when we were watching it, it was like, I wonder if, like, when I say it's totally inconsistent, it's like, it just seemed like, like, like the, the, the slapstick or whatever just felt kind of tacked on or whatever. I, 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 I used to like slapstick when I was a kid. I love that kind of shit. I don't like it anymore. I just, I just find it forced and, and really, especially in a movie like this where it has a lot of clever bits and a lot of clever, funny comedy. No, it's just, what, I did, I, it didn't work for What me. about when he, okay, every time... <laughs> Every time Scott Thompson is sitting on the bed 
and I hear Mr. November, and he's got that glass of water next to him. I don't know. That's it. Me. That's you? Yeah. You, you're Mr. November? <laughs> that's I'm your ass? It, yeah. Oh, okay. No, I'm Oh, I thought it. you were in the video. No. But, uh, no, it's fucking hilarious. Um, there's just something hilarious about it. And now it's almost like you're free to laugh at it, but it was in 96, this was actually cutting edge. This was yeah. controversial. And this put off a lot of my friends. No, but it's my still My college-age friends edge. who were super progressive. It's still cutting oh, edge yeah, and yeah, controversial. For sure, but... But I'm just saying, like, was it twenty? Was it twenty-two but years ago? You're saying the tonal discrepancy is between the romantic plot and that kind of stuff. No, no, no. It's a, it's a, or, or maybe it's, 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 it's just a matter of. Uh, I'm saying in the script, it's really, really smart at points, and then really, really dumb at other points. And I kind of felt like maybe they were under pressure from the studio to dumb it down. I'm, I'm. I'm realizing now that I'm way off base in that you're suspicion. Da- you're damn right you are. Because <laughs> but, I just well, don't see the dumb bits. fucking stupid really? Really? Not, And you looking for tonal discrepancies are what you're referring to? Yeah. Right now I'm thinking of Mark's character when he's like, oh, it's a swimming pool. i got to have that fixed. Yeah, that's like, great. Why do you reach a tone? Okay? <laughs> I like the movie, man. <laughs> I, I'm just saying it's not perfect. And, 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 and you're perfect. I've not said perfect, but I'll tell you I one thing. I would say... I'm just going to... Everybody's right. I'm going to rip the cover <laughs> Everybody's off this right. Not, well, it's true. Everybody is right here because oh, it, there's no filler in the movie because they had so much stuff. There was no reason for there to be filler. They just made choices that you might not have agreed with. The gay stuff and then Cancer Boy seem to be the two major complaints of this movie back in 1996. Cancer Boy is nowadays, brilliant, nowadays I, I don't, I don't think Boy. anybody would criticize the gay stuff now, but people are still criticize, criticizing what is Cancer it about Boy. Cancer Boy that you would criticize? It, it seems like Bruce is making fun of children with cancer. Or, or the thing, the thing is just to have jokes based around. Are you cancer saying you agree is... with that, or that was the criticism? No, I'm saying that's the criticism. I and that, you... I got to be honest, I kind of agree with it. Well, I, I don't because there's also a tradition. What 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 satirical because uh, comment making, is being made about because uh, let me finish. First of all, kids like that would be exploited. Secondly, what do you mean kids like that would be exploited by by drug companies? And the other thing is, um, you're forgetting here is that there's a common I hate the word but trope. It really is in films where it's like even if it's Rumble in the Bronx where Jackie Chan has the kid in the wheelchair or Macamy. Quite often, Mac and me. insincere <laughs> movies, insincere... That's one of the worst fucking movies I've ever seen. I know, Holy insincere shit. films, it's a cliche to stick in a sick kid or some kind of emotional heartstring tug. That's all they're making fun of. They're not making fun of kids uh, with cancer. Yeah, I, I they're don't, making I think fun the of the heartstring. about Cancer Boy was that once you reach a certain level of celebrity like Dr. Chris Cooper had at the party, is that you're obligated to... Uh, Touch the hem. Somebody has to touch the hem of your garment and be cured, and, and your whole thing. And they bring people, to, people's problems to you, and they they were just sort of illustrating that. Uh, I think, uh, as well as what you may have interpreted, I think that was some of the intention. Mm-hmm. Well, I That's agree. What Cancer Boy was was uh, something that. Uh, was presented to the celebrities. So but I, I agree with but, but, you but there. He's, like, he's, but he's also a running character on the, te- the television yeah. show, and so like, like to have yeah. that because he's he's a beloved. Uh, he's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, I love I've Cancer used Boy. him, and I'm not kidding. He's been my Facebook uh, profile picture. And, and you do look a lot. And, like. I do. I'll tell you, man. <laughs> and that get like the Cancer Boy scenes were my favorite in the movie, and I wanted more. Got Gus and I. Got, as soon as he came on, Gus was like. 
oh no yeah. because all of a sudden there's a kid with cancer in a wheelchair and he's bald and he's a goofy but yeah. after he says a few lines we're on the floor laughing my yeah. mayor, my mayor I, I recognize <laughs> I recognize that as well like obviously yeah like celebrities I mean, there, you know, bands have to do like visits to sick kids in hospitals what, and stuff. He, yeah, of course. What's he yeah. as a celebrity going to do that someone who's qualified could do much better? But the the idea of of being able to laugh at anything doesn't that save us? Hell for yeah, sure, for sure. And, and especially the the darkest, most horrible things. Like, is there anything worse than a child with cancer? I don't. I can't there think is, of anything. There's nothing. No, no, it's horrifying. Maybe two children with cancer. Yeah, that would be two way children worse. with cancer under the wheel of an eighteen wheeler. Maybe that's even. Well, no, 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 because no, that's then it's not over. Been, oh shut! Well, God. what if it just hits their legs? You know. <laughs> okay, I, I remember actually doing it, thinking. My first response was, "Oh, wow." Uh, but uh, but as soon as I was working on it creatively and trying to create the sound of Cancer Boy and everything <laughs> like that, I um. When you say create the sound, like what, what would you what would your uh, like your input? Or what would you do to? What was your part in that scene with Cancer Boy? <laughs> with Cancer Boy, um, well, there was the Fields of Atherine, I think, is a traditional that that he sings with too so i had to create the music for the video and sync it to what cancer boy was doing just benignly whistling <laughs> and i had to yeah, whistle i had to whistle the tune <laughs> and uh and also whistle while you're low i created that that's song awesome. and, I, and i was the Wonderful. whistler that's awesome but <clears throat> it was for me that was like those the, the two scenes with cancer boy were my favorite in the movie. And the, the whistling thing at the end uh, was brilliant. And just so you I know, don't. too, I hate to be confused, dong, 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 but it's like, you know, it sounds mean if someone's listening, oh, yeah, they're laughing at cancer. Like, there's an overwhelmingly huge rate of cancer in my family and stuff like that. So believe me, it's like, it's it was a relief to see a character like this because, yeah, you're so expected, even in your memories, if you're thinking of someone you've lost to cancer, you're like dead serious all the time. But it's just like, you know what I mean? God damn it. Well, the studio, it was yeah. the one thing the studio stood on and said, you can't have Cancer Boy in your movie. And they said, well, yes, we can. <laughs> I love that. And so... Um, I'm they, so happy that they, uh, they... They stood on that hill and it reduced the number of screens that it was released on by... by like I think a tenth wow. of really? what it was supposed to be on. It submarined their movie. Really, I just yeah. just just that one character. So whatever you thought was the, the big splash when, in the first week, it killed the theatrical release. Well, you know yeah. what? Like like fuck those guys. I'm glad that they kept that in there. Like fuck those guys. You don't mean kids in the no, hall. No no no. I mean the studio. No, it's it's a pri- it's like, a principle of the yeah. kids in the hall. Yeah, of or course. any artist is. Don't give in. They're punk rockers. Yeah, for and sure. They're, they're and the not gonna give thing in. is that they're also hired to do what they do. Why are they gonna? Why do you hire someone to do what they do yeah. and then tell them don't do this? Because they had yeah, already. Because, because you want them to do as much of what they do as is profitable, uh, while not doing the thing that's. Uh, uh, fuck that shit. But like, yeah, like, they like, like, life would be so bland and boring. Because did if we, we mention that along with that? They had to change the title. They were totally like, yeah, because it was the drug. I can't believe. No, no, like, no, it was just drug, as, as far as I know. But think drug. of how moronic that is. The fact that you know a, a major American studio or any production any out there thinks the public can't handle the word drug in a title. Yeah. Like what the what is that? I don't get that at all. And no, it's like whatever. Different. Brain candy. The title still works for me. I didn't find out although, that although, information. Although the, the words brain candy never came up in the movie. They Bra- does it was always the drug. The brain drug, candy the drug, is a better. Yeah. T- it's a, but it's a better title anyway. So yeah. Either one works for me. I just but. I just hate the fact that they're told 
it's things to have to change like that. It, like uh, actually, a, a good example of that is uh, Paul Paul Thomas Anderson's first movie, um, Heart Eight. Yes, was originally called Sydney, based on the character Sydney. Yeah. Um. Uh. And but the studio didn't like that, and so they made him change uh, the I, title to Heart Eight. I agree. Which, with, which, I, agree which with I think, I think Heart Eight I think is a, a better title, title. but that, 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 it's a much better but, title. But that's not the point. The point is he yeah. was he had to change the title. Yeah. So his second movie, Boogie Nights. Uh, opens with a scene of a camera swooping down on a place called Boogie Nights. Yes. So he couldn't change the title because it's in the movie. Oh, cool. So that's, his, that was his like sort of fuck you to, to the... the uh, that's based... They, they by the way, he got that title from a song by a band called Heat Wave. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, it's a great movie. My, my, my favorite of comedically, movie. my favorite example of that is Zach Galifianakis, who for his first uh, half-hour special on the comedy... on Comedy Central... Um, because I've done one of these, and they and they go to the white like I t- they tell you what you can wear. Uh, you can't even have a glass of water or a wristwatch. I mean, the, the whole th- it's fucking insane. Where at, at, uh, for comedy now? They were they were like, I I wanted to wear a shirt that had the restricted cat on it. And they're like, you can't do that. And you had like like six wristwatches on on it. <laughs> and you can't have a wristwatch because somebody could freeze frame it and see what time it is, and then oh, it no. would be out of sync. Like it's it's or a glass of water. There could be less water, more water, right, less right, water. Right, right. It's so fucking stupid. It's all continuity and shit. So like that. Z- but in the states, I guess it. So Zach Galifianakis was doing one in, uh, in in at Comedy Central in New York, and he got around that by uh, wearing like seven shirts, and he would just like. <laughs> Take it off after like two jokes, and, and, and so now it's a blue shirt, all and up. then it's a yellow shirt, and then, so there was no way they could, right. they they could edit, wow. uh, like, yeah, they had to play it the way he had written it, because, I, because yeah, because what they yeah, but yeah, fuck the man and everything, but at the same time, Hard Eight is a much better name than Sydney. <laughs> I want to, um, I want to jump in. It is. I want to jump in for a bit. I know. I've been jumping in for a bit all night, but. I also want to say, just because we were all discussing, like, the the gay themes and stuff, like, uh, the film, I find totally daring and progressive in its gay ideas and presentation. The fact that, like, this character, how many mainstream, I mean, it's not, certainly not a mainstream, but released in a mainstream way. In 96, they were still freaking out about Ellen DeGeneres. But they have this moment where, like, like, they even dare to reference gay porn in it and stuff. And the fact that they reveal, finally, Scott Thompson's, you know, and I love that. I love yeah, that. Have you heard the news? He's gay. No, he, they do it through a Busby Berkeley style musical number, and it's completely brightly choreographed and directed. And I don't know if the director, sorry, what was the name again? I'm sorry. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly Macon. Kelly, Kelly Macon. I don't know if, I mean, was there someone separate who did the choreography for like numbers like that? Busby Berkeley used to do the but I'm yeah. serious. That's a no, great number. Yeah, amazing number. And it's funny and ha and so, but if you actually watch like the yeah, choreography and everything, no, it's really about like matching red cars, and, and, all, okay, the all, I, all the red cars. Now, I've seen this Fair movie at least yeah, 20 times, and it yeah, wasn't oh. until yesterday that I noticed that it's, no, they're not just red cars. They're all like 1992 Ford Tauruses, yeah. and everyone's got, and got the garden got, hoses. Got, the, it's like it's yeah, it's right out of like Edward Scissorhands or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's completely a brilliant. Well, sub, it's I, like a suburban Busby Berkeley number. I read it's an interview brilliant. with Bruce McCullough where he was talking about uh, directing Dog Park. Did he direct Dog Park? Yeah, he yes, did. He directed yeah. Dog Park. Which I, I was kind of disappointed when I saw Dog Park because I was hoping Dog Park would be like one of those super weird. Uh, kids in the hall shorts, like I want the goddamn sausages, or or, or so you or, want to be like that, that's ten, why I make the big bucks. Long? I want, pardon me. You want to be ten minutes long? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, sure. 
<laughs> Come on. And okay, and and also, yeah, with brain candy, like I, I really wish there was a, there was more kids in the whole weirdness, and and yeah. it, it just it seemed to be a little. It was just too well, mainstream for my well, taste. Well, I, I, I think I think and it, it was it, too weird for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah, so, and this is my although, point. Although, although, like, this but, is my point. Is 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 like choose a side. I, I I don't understand what kind of pressure they were under. I wouldn't even pretend to, but like. Go full on dark backward, just mm. batshit insanity, or sell out and appeal to no, you know what, a wide it variety a, of people. It was, I found this a completely convincing blender full of emotions. I did, mean, did you say blenderful? Blenderful. Blender blender Stop it all in a blender. It's like that gremlin, that gremlin and gremlins, that gremlin and gremlins. You stuck the kids in the hall in there with that idea and blended it. And <laughs> seriously, man, okay, I just don't see what you're saying here. I don't. I really found this film. Wait, wait until you hear me conclude. Nah, on I thought it was. You have heard some hyperbole. I felt super. like they I want. Sure okay, have, you know what? Here's how I'll put it. I, I felt like, and every time I've seen this movie, I felt this way. I felt like they really would have loved to have been way more out there, but they were constrained by the by the money people. I that, that's it. the feeling I get from from Brankin. But I found this reasonably out there. It's it's you know pretty I mean? out it, there, it, but like, but when you watch, but I, in a way, my, my goddamn sausages. Like I like I was I, I was, yeah, but I, I was hoping for Terry Gilliam level yeah. fucking weirdness. Yeah, but there was. But though, in each in of those sketches you're talking about, like sausages, which is brilliant and very Bruce. Uh, the the um, each of those sketches came from one of those dyads or one person or a writer with one of those people. Each of them came from a section of the kids in the hall and they all accepted it and they all worked on that person's idea together. A movie is a completely different thing than making yeah. sketch comedy. And the first Monty Python movie was sketch comedy and then yeah. they figured out how to make a movie. I think if you gave the kids in the hall a chance to make another movie after this movie you would feel them in it so much more. And if you gave them a chance, in which they might make a movie now... You think? Well, they're going to do something. I mean, I would love that. They're talking about something. Now, I don't know if it's a film or if it's more television, but um, I think that you would see they've learned so much about that process, about what it is to make a film. Yeah, this is their first and shot, right? Bruce has been a great director for years now, and... Uh, Mark is directing now, and they've done so much other sort of episodic yeah. television and narratives. Uh, Slings and Arrows from Mark and a yeah. whole bunch of other great things. Um, I think that they'll, they, they bring so much more to it now. I saw Bruce's one-man show years ago. One drunk, sorry, is it one drunk, drunk punk? punk at the York? Young drunk punk, Young sorry, drunk. that's what I meant. Yeah, drunk, yeah. Yeah, I saw it at the, but I saw it at the fire hall a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um. Or even bigger cities, maybe? Oh, never mind. Slightly bigger cities. Slightly. I didn't see that one, but I saw the, but yeah, Scott Thompson did do a show. I also work at the Rio Theater, and he did do mm -hmm. a show there mm -hmm. a few years ago. You have a photograph of him. I've seen that's that. That's right, two, two, uh, stand-up You were wearing Assel's, there. Assel's pants at that time, weren't you? <laughs> well, they've all got. No, I was wearing an assless really monk good. robe like the one in Jim Cotta. <laughs> Every one of them's gotten great at yeah. doing stuff on their own on stage. Yes. Which is, they all didn't come from stand up, but they all can do it now. And yeah. they, they've, they've, That's they've, pretty impressive. They've created uh, and kept moving every single one of them, even if you lost track. 
That's so right. it's amazing when they come together. It's, it's true. some heavy hitters. Because I yeah. saw their reunion show a few years ago at the Queen Elizabeth, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I had a great time. Um, yeah, Scott Thompson, it was really interesting because he did these two shows. It was on a Friday and a Saturday. And he did Fresh Buddy Cole material as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, we programmed as a midnight movie. Um, we have late night movies on Friday night. We showed Brain Candy. He couldn't stay for the screening, but he videotaped a really funny intro that we showed before the movie. But where were you 10 years ago? Yeah, he's seen it enough times. But yeah, his uh, take on the Siskel and Ebert review was... uh, was uh, it upset Ebert so much it made his jaw fall off? But I don't know if you want to leave that in. I don't if you I'm, want to leave that I'm in. I'm so but... gonna leave that in. And the weird thing was is he reacted too. We brought him out to the lobby between the shows. And by complete coincidence, this was the same year that that documentary called Life Itself about Roger Ebert was so going it's, around. It's a, it's a pretty good. Doc. It's okay, but I can't think of a more self-important uh, I, title. I you, Seriously, the thing is, the thing is, you you hate Roger Ebert. But the self-important <laughs> title, like Life Itself, the only thing he loved more than movies was life itself it's like who gives a shit you know what i mean but he's he his poster was in the lobby because we were coincidentally showing that film by the way it is a great film i don't like roger ebert but it's a very good film you really about have him. to stop going to chicago and pooping on his grave but stop doing that he he was like on the poster in our lobby and i pointed out to scott thompson and he did a mock like ah, like a freak out kind of thing he doesn't piss on but, his grave he poops on his so that's the thing i was i was always way more of gene bringing it back to that is i was always way more of a gene siskel person i totally agree with his reviews generally but i seldom if ever like roger ebert called sylvester stallone the next marlon brando okay he really did <laughs> well, when the first rocky made, everyone makes mistakes yeah so but you can't Rockies extrapolate a, a whole career based on one performance that's a bit well, extreme well, well, what about james dean he's holding such high regard he made three Movies. But they're all oh, excellent. They're the, all excellent. The we'll I never know. Any, any we'll never know. He may have done a bad sitcom after that. We'll never know, right? But know, but Ebert was. I don't know, man. I'm not a fan at all. I got one. But yeah, I also yeah. But yeah, I met yeah I met uh, I met Scott Jones. Should, no, it was a real pleasure. He, he did a great. Should, he did two should excellent should, shows. Should, should we kind of wrap this thing up? Uh, what do you guys think? Well, sh- uh, I'm wondering if we should talk about the alternative ending, but I, I don't. I know. haven't watched it myself. I, I, I watched it this afternoon. It's fine. It was it was weird. It was weird and disjointed. I didn't really know what was going on. There's some funny things in it actually. There's a character uh, who does who sort of turns up. Well, there's there's a there's a funny bit where um, Kevin uh, McDonald's uh, character Chris Cooper goes back on that talk show, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's. Yelling at all the audience, like all the the things that he thinks should be back in everyone's lives, and one of them are one of the things he says is, "Dad's a commit suicide," <laughs> which I, I like. I watched this on my laptop on my on the couch. I just started laughing because I was, was such a funny funny like little. It's 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 couched in a whole bunch of other things that people are missing because everyone's all, everyone's all happy, but yeah, it was very funny. But the whole, the whole, I, I, the, the I don't, getting I, I don't, kidnapped I, thing. I, I don't, I don't know if that ending was worse or better. It was. Just it was worse. Uh, yeah, it was a little disjointed the way. I don't know if that, the, the way it's edited and put together, that's the way it would have ended. Um, but watching it, I didn't. It I, was canned before it was finished editing. Was it? Yeah, because it, it, it seemed, it seemed, it seemed kind of scattershot. And a little, uh, I, I like the idea that there was. Uh, what. Why are you showing little, me that? A little what? What's wrong with you? You go. Oh, here we go. I I really like. I love the idea that there that there was like a like an underground organization uh, it, it, for. Okay, so the alternate ending that never got aired, 
has to do with uh, Dr. Chris Cooper getting kidnapped by Dave Foley, who, right. who's like the head of like some sort of like well, uh, well, underground organization. And it's it's kind of funny because they decide they're going to brainwash him into yeah. hating the drug, but he already hates the drug. And he's already agreed to everything they say. Yeah, like like immediately, <laughs> and like it's a pretty good gag. But, yeah. But I mean, for for a finale to the movie, Actually, I, I think I, I think that could have that could have worked in the movie as well. Like, uh, and then because that wasn't the very end. Yeah, I, I guess I'm trying to think of exactly the very end. The, the very end. ending is is that they, they they have a drug that makes Mrs. Herdicure remember the time that she gave Who's a bunch of helium balloons. She, she, she oh. gave a bunch of helium balloons to her her uh, granddaughter, and it's so corny. But I I love a dummy on balloons. Well, like, I can't that, not laugh. And I love the touch that. When you see the kids' feet blow by, one yeah. of the boots is yeah, missing. Because yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite movie moments in cinema is if you watch Scarface, the Al Pacino film. F. Murray Abraham, spoiler, he gets killed. And his boots. And man? he's hung from a helicopter. And when the helicopter flies away, his shoe falls off. All right. I've had a lifelong love affair with Omar's shoe. If I ever start a nightclub, I want to call it Omar's shoe. I probably won't. Because I, I work in a video store and I lack the capital to open a video store. I think it's pronounced Omar Sharif. But no, but Omar's shoe falls off. And I totally thought, I wonder if like whoever dressed up this dummy to float away in this movie saw Omar's shoe fall off. Or maybe just fell off because he's a dummy. Yeah. My f- <laughs> the budget didn't allow. There was a budget uh, cut. If you have cancer, yeah. boy, you can only yeah, have one, one shoe yeah. on that kid with the balloons. Yeah. I, 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 one shot. I wish this. I love the movie, right? Yeah. I pick it apart a little bit because I've seen it so many times. My one critique is I would have. I wish there had been more um, of the fantasy sequences because mm. because really only, I think only three characters you actually, actually see or four uh, characters inside their head. Well, maybe. lest we forget uh, uh, Funky Town. Oh, oh that's yeah. the best joke in cinema history. Uh, I don't know about that. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> cinema history. Funk, won't you take me to? That, oh, it's that, great. That, that was good, but like, I, I think but, like uh, my favorite of the flashback uh, sequences was the, the monkey. <laughs> and oh, then he beats the guy in chest. Yeah, that's amazing. Go ahead, make your mouth. <laughs> and, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. I also like, love like, that like, 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 moment oh, stringing like that. Baxter, and, and, Baxter <laughs> reacting poorly to the drug, like chirping like a bird or something. Baxter at the end. Baxter. People, Scott yeah. Thompson, yeah, right. humping people. Or, 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 or the, 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 the very first shot. Uh, when they, they show the, 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 the pill going down, uh, Mrs. What's her name? Herdicure. Herdicure's. Her, 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 it ends on her belly, and there's a whole bunch of shit in yeah, there. There's, there's, no, there's some teeth. There's like yeah, a, yeah, it's false, false teeth. And my favorite, a fish skeleton, <laughs> which is right out of Looney Tunes from like the 50s. Like the fish skeleton is my favorite thing. And by the way, there's uh, another comment that comes back. Like I said earlier, I brought up about elder abuse being addressed in this film. <laughs> like this, like razor sharp boomerang. It comes back later. Razor Mrs. sharp boomerang. Mrs. Whoa. Watch out. Mrs. A razor sharp boomerang coming right back at you. Mrs. Herdicure's in a comatorium, and the kids. A what? Further abuse. The yeah, they're looking yeah. for a Dave, no, no, no. The, well, there's that too, but no, when she's in the comatorium. Yes, the, I know. Is Dave that... Foley and the, the the evil son from the Christmas flashback and his wife, his totally bitchy wife, come back and accept the check and right, stuff. Right, right. And they also yeah. manipulate the press further because the woman who's been in all the boardroom scenes and who's massaging Mark McKinney's evil boss's yeah, yeah, yeah. head at one point, she's 
in disguise as a reporter going, wow, that's a lot of money. Like she How triggers, pleasing. She's planted How and she pleasing. totally triggers this Jackie, reaction in the Jackie press. Harris Greenberg. She's amazing in it. And it's she's it's a very girl. small part, but again, you know, it's the cliche, there's no small parts. It's true. Seriously, she comes in there and it's like that nasty little media comment again. Yeah. And again, the elder abuse being addressed. It's Craig, a yeah. very political movie. I'm really just, is. Uh, yeah. I'll take. I'll take. I, it, I may yeah. meet Bruce Bruce McCullough at some point. Uh, you, 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 would you do me a favor? You, you need him because there's it? there's one thing lacking from Brain Candy is because uh, Grievo winds up on the drug, and mm-hmm. I think the biggest missed opportunity is you don't get to see Grievo's happiest memory. Who's Grievo? Grievo's the musician. Yeah. Yeah, I would have yeah. just yeah. fucking loved to oh, have seen yeah. that guy's happiest memory. Yeah. Do you know what would be the best is just to ask him what it would be. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. If, if yeah. I ever meet Bruce, He'll but but, but next right. time you're saying, on my behalf, yeah. ask, ask, email ask me the answer. Ask, for Dylan, ask, ask him what it is. And sure. And so we yeah. are coming so to the end of our podcast, right. uh, which is where, yeah, obviously I'd, I'll recommend it. Obviously it holds up. In fact, I, I think it's... It's a shame more people aren't watching it now, actually. It kind of bumps Maybe me up. Maybe they will after but, the um, show. Yeah, all, all 68 of our listeners? <laughs> Um, we are we just going to say, like, and, and then we'll double it down with pairings, I guess? Mm-hmm. We'll just... Well, well, no, let's pass it around yeah, and do pairings. Around, All right, okay, so I, yeah, uh, uh, yes, I absolutely 100% think this movie holds up. It's it's just as funny as it was 20 years ago. It has the same problems it had 20 years ago, but I still I, I still adore it. And, uh, yeah, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I it's pretty obvious I love this movie. I find it totally successful. I'm not saying it's perfect. I don't really use that term too often but no i totally love this movie i find it very progressive and completely successful at what it tries to do and um let me just think here sorry i know you'll i've given you some stuff that yeah, okay. my stammering you're um, stammering? yeah i'm stammering yeah but no i find it completely successful <laughs> yes i'm stammering and uh <laughs> yeah i agree right away for example we i don't know if it's going to make the edit or not but we were talking earlier with Wait, the Siskel and Eber, like when Gene Siskel's saying like this film will be a cult movie. I know it still hasn't quite happened. I by the way, I've always owned this movie. I owned it on VHS. You own bought it right away. The, yeah, 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 yeah. But I bought I bought the movie right away on yeah, VHS when it was available, and I've owned it on DVD for years. I, it's one of my most recommended movies to friends, and I've yet I'm serious whether it's customers here or friends that lend the movie to you. I've yet to actually meet someone who's disappointed by it. Everyone goes on. And about how good it is. And you were bringing up Bruce earlier. I once I read an interview with Bruce once in some Montreal publication when I was living there. And he actually even said, uh, like, the, the interviewer threw him kind of a snarky kind of curveball question about sure. the lack of success of the movie. And he said how films get a second life on video. And yeah. people tell him it's brilliant. I really, I totally agree well, with that. I, I imagine more people have seen it on like, it, video or something. It still hasn't years. happened. Probably. But I'm not joking. It still hasn't happened. But hey, fifty years from now, if this if you can find this podcast 50, somewhere, 50, I'm saying no, no, no. Gonna be dead 50, fifty years from now, I'm not shitting you. I'm fifty years from You're now. Like scavenging for like flesh and water, like on a desert no, I'm planet from fifty years. Fifty years from now, I'm serious. That's my, I'm, I'm it, doing that on Saturday night. <laughs> it still hasn't happened. I've been waiting for it to happen since I first watched it on video, and it still hasn't hey, happened. Program it the real. No, have, have you guys shown well, show the real? How about this? Yeah, we have shown. If you the get real. to the point, how would I finish? Well, how would I finish? the sentence i've said like three words oh, your sentences are a thousand like, words long okay it hasn't quite happened yet but i'm not joking it hasn't quite happened yet but i'm saying 
50 years from now, and I'll throw this out there with, I'm not shitting you, this film airing in some kind of comedy festival is a misunderstood work of genius of its age, and I'm not joking. <laughs> it's what, up what there. It's, uh, I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, Alongside, Darren. and I'm not saying this. I'll look, show you. Jesus Christ, let me finish this. Finish your thoughts. Well, you have hypothetically finishing it before I can get a word out. Well, you, you know, you know that we're all going to be dead in yeah, 50 years, so we're not going to know. But Speak if you if you look, but I'm saying to you, this is I, I totally think like 50 years down the road, alongside, I'm not shitting you, Sullivan's Travels, other great satires that weren't appreciated in their time, and I'm not kidding you on that. Master of Disguise. I'm not master in disguise. I'm not. Hey, I don't. I don't apply no, this often. This is very bin. rare. Still there. And trust me, I'm enough of a fan. Like, so you like it? No, I'm enough of a kids' and all fan too that if this movie was sucked and let me down, believe me, I'd be destroying it right now. Fifty years from now, it's the Sullivan's Travels of its era. Okay, so it's an few, underappreciated so few, so future side. Sullivan's Travels of its era, really. It is. It really is. I think like fifty years from now, if Criterion's still around and we're all dead. One of the kids all <laughs> like a, a shriveled up no, senior citizen. We will be all he'll, dead he'll in be 50 out, years. He'll, 30 I'll be years. I'll be the last surviving kids in the hall will <laughs> accept some kind of award. Like we're all dead. We finally appreciate the movie. And I'm serious. I really put It'll it up Paul there. It'll be Paul Bellini. Paul Bellini, and, and he won't have aged a fucking yeah. day. And, <laughs> the, so, the and it's like, yeah, it's really a, it's a so totally it's, so underappreciated satire. Okay, great, I Darren. Really do. How do you feel about this Holy movie? Holy shit! Well, how do I follow that fucking crazy rant up? That, um, that, that was like something from Waiting for Godot. It's just. <laughs> Well, you know, it's a I, brilliant I, 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 I like I like the movie. I don't love the movie. Like to me, there's it's it's almost a, leave the country well, immediately. I, I, I wish they had made this movie like three or four years earlier than what they did, um, when they're all on the same page at the height of their powers. Um, like this is good, uh, but there's there's a lot. It's it's all. It's, I wouldn't say it's a lost opportunity because there's so much great stuff in this movie. Um, but there's a lot of things that for me that don't work and and kind of just I just roll my eyes. Not like maybe because I watched it with my kid and some of it was like a little a little a little uncomfortable to watch with a, a 13 year old. I don't know. Um, but it was it's it's good. I would recommend it for sure. But it's not. I don't I don't hold it as a high esteem as you guys do. There's like I'm a hard sell when it comes to comedies, and there's way more comedies that I would recommend ahead of this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's good, you know. There's because there's so much good stuff in it, and I love the kids in the hall, and it was such a pleasure to see them again. Because mm-hmm. I, well, I haven't watched this movie since it came out, and I, I and I love kids in the hall in the, the late '80s, early '90s, and it was just a pleasure to watch all these characters and all these guys do all this funny shit again. But it also reminded me of the things that don't work in the movie, and for I don't, it doesn't overshadow all the good stuff. But I'm going to give it a, a like a, a cautionary yes, rent this movie. Cautionary. Cautionary, because it's 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 not as good as it should have been. I agree. Yes, but uh, yeah, I, I would. It, it is. It's it's definitely worth watching, and I'll agree with uh, Alex on a lot of his crazy points of uh, his progression, progressiveness in this movie, because it is. It, it's way ahead of its time. Yes, and, and for sure, like especially with a lot of the themes and stuff, which which like a lot of comedies nowadays shy away from, or it's just true. make or just make jokes about it, like like which without actually having anything to say about it. Um, but uh, it's it's good. Yes, I would uh, I would I would I recommend it. How about you, Craig? Still recommend this movie? I would recommend it, and I'd say it's part of a body of work, and I'd say like Darren said, three years before maybe it would have been better. Three years after, it would have been even better. Mm, and, interesting. And I think that, um, to me, it's a big part of my life. It changed my life. 
personally because I was part of it and uh, gave me a whole insight into all kinds of things. And I think, like you said, it's ahead of its time because this is an uncompromising bunch who are brilliant, brilliant uh, comedy thinkers Indeed. and uh, artists. And I think that, uh, of course, I'd recommend it on that level to anybody. Um, I don't think it's perfect, and I don't think the kids in the hall think it's perfect mm. at all. Mm. And well, I'm, I'm sure I'm they sure. joke about it mercilessly with each other. Yeah. And uh, so I'd recommend Paul Meyer's book too, if you're interested in the kids in the hall. Totally interested. It, it'll put everything that we've been talking about in in some really solid perspective. Uh, well, the name again: One Dumb Guy. One Dumb Guy. One Dumb Guy. Paul Meyer. I am going to read that. Uh, I'm going to live. I'm going to break into the library tonight, and yeah. I'm going to steal it. <laughs> Paul Myers, if I'm not mistaken, was, really was fun. a film it's a quick critic read. here in Vancouver. That's uh, right. Mike Myers' oh, brother, I'm right? Sold. Yes. Quick yeah. read, yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah he, re- he wrote the Todd Rundgren book and Long John Baldry and a, uh, Bare Naked Ladies, a bunch of books. Cool. Didn't he used to work for like a major department store and he got Mike Myers somehow to do an ad campaign for it or something? I remember that's that. Peter. That's his other brother. His other brother. Yeah. Mm. Other brother, Daryl? How do you know yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Anyways, so uh, it is Monday here at. Uh, thank Bl- you for having me here. Oh, oh, oh you're not, welcome. We're not yeah. done just no, yet. No, thank you for joining us, please. It is Monday we have here. One more thing to do is the pairings. It is uh, Monday. I hope you put okay. some good thought into okay. this. Okay. Sure. <laughs> it is Monday here at Black Dog uh, yes. Video, and uh, you know what that means. As all listeners know, uh, it is two for one every Monday at Black Dog Video. So that means you pay for one movie. You get one absolutely free. <laughs> Um, unless you'd like to pay for it. Because well, an idiot we'll wouldn't come here on Monday. So anyways, uh, someone walks up with Brain Candy. Alex, what do you recommend they should rent with Brain Candy? Well, first I want to give two levels of recommendation. I have I nine recommendations. No, I don't. Three we should be films, happy it's only two. Three films <laughs> to recommend, and then a shout-out to uh, yeah, well, another yeah. Kids in the Hall Oh, my God, so you, you have a fucking runner-up now? No. <laughs> a runner-up to There's three tiers. <laughs> <laughs> Three tiers here. All right. No, it's okay. What do you got? What do you got? Well, first of all, if you want to talk in the misunderstood classic category, two that I would... Well, I, there's a couple you I'd say. You better not steal my pick. No, I would Me say either. either, either listen, Sullivan's Travels, Harold and Maude, or The Court Jester with Danny Kaye. Films that are recognized now as brilliant way past their time, but weren't particularly well received when they came out. That's... One mood, but the other mood is I think this is up there on that par. You'll laugh at me, whatever. But uh, I hope so. The man in the white suit, because I feel I, I laugh at you. The sir. kids in the hall <laughs> produced an ealing level comedy with this film. They I don't care if they make fun of it. Oh, by the way, Monsieur Voodoo, it's also in that class. It really is Monsieur Voodoo, Charlie yeah. Chaplin, the murderer comedy made by Charlie Chaplin. They were all heavily critical of the work. It didn't do well at the time. I don't care. This film's up there. But I would put it with my main, sort of thematically, would be The Man in the White Suit because that's an I incredible... Do not know that movie at all. We have it. It's a classic comedy with Alex or Alec Guinness, and he, he's not Obi-Wan in it. He's not? He's not, believe it or not. Well, but he's that. a dude who invents like an indestructible fabric, and it's all about the bedlam that results from mm. that. So it's like, right. it's like Obi-Wan when he was a kid. You think, if you think, <laughs> hey, everyone sets out there to do that, do the right thing, and they fuck it all up, you know? Mm-hmm. But the, the yeah, I, I just want to give a shout-out, though. My next-door neighbor growing up worked on the early seasons of Kids in the Hall, Brian Hiltz. 
Oh yeah. Oh, I don't yeah, know t- if he's out there tell, somewhere. No, tell no. This, I like this story. Well, th- well, then don't name names, dipshit. What happened? Okay, well, how no. Can we, how can we give him the, the story? I can no name a motion. name, but I'm not going to get into hey, full don't biography. Tell story. No, I'm not telling the story. I know. Let me speak. So carry on. <laughs> Edit all that I'm shit out, please. I'm letting you speak now. Wow. I grew up next door please to. Please keep speaking. I grew up next door to a guy in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, named Brian Hiltz, who worked on the early seasons of the show, and he's a great inside joke, I'm sure, um, with his consent and intentionally. But even if he's not, who cares? Um, it's a really funny joke, so who you gives a shit? Not, I'm not going to tell the kids all the right jokes. There's an episode where Scott and another guy play editors, and they're yes. editing a manuscript, and then they walk out into the real world, and they start editing the park, like remove that bench, remove that tree, whatever. But they point to a poster and say, love the band, and then they say, don't like the musician. I can't remember which member they name. Probably the bass player. They cut to... The poster, and it's a poster of a band called I Want. And then a hand reaches out of nowhere and spray paints an X through the band member that's been ordered to be edited out. And all I can say is, I Want are like Halifax New Wave legends. Who, right, so it's an actual band. It's an actual band reference because one of their key members, the founder, worked on the early seasons of the Kids in the Hall. He's always credited as a still photographer. Okay. But I grew up next to him. I don't know what he's up to these days, okay. but I grew up next door to a cool guy. About? So, uh, hey, wait, there, let me finish so one your last other, thing. So your oh other 17 God. picks are going to be... I have him. No, I'm done my I picks. I recommend everything in this video. I'm done so. my picks. <laughs> Three picks would be... And every movie that will be made eventually. Sullivan's Travels. Right. Monsieur Verdoux. Or Man Harold Amod. And, but the man in the white suit is the thematic. Harold and Mott. Yeah, misunderstood masterpieces that bombed everyone, in their time. Oh God, everyone, yeah. wor- everybody worships that fucking movie. It's a great movie. As they it. should. Sure, like, but, but, well, but there, there's no criticizing anyone's picks. Well, there is an old, there's an old lady in Harold and Mott, and there's a, an old lady in Kids in the Hall. <laughs> there, there you go. But yeah, I, I would team it up with Man in the White Suit. It's Ealing level satire so, about a very Dylan, serious, what would you serious topic. So that's your pick. <laughs> yes. Dylan, no, no, uh, is it my turn or? Do you want me to go? Okay. Why, why did Alex start? I don't know, because he had he had the most. To oh say. no, no, you go. Um, well, I'm gonna be, uh, yeah, I'm gonna be pretty obvious. I'm gonna te- I'm gonna team this uh, movie up with Strange Brew. Really? Yeah. Nice. SCTV that's actually doing not. Their, e- that's not even that obvious. SCTV doing their uh, like their movie. Uh, I'm just with, drink. Yeah, drink that beer. Yes, no, which is you know, which is a hilarious movie as well. It's which a, we the, almost did for this podcast, because this is going to be our Canada Day episode. By the way, Happy Canada Day, everybody. Happy Canada Day, everybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, Strange Brews is, is hilarious. I've watched that movie so many times. And and it's a sketch comedy. It's a sketch uh, comedy movie. with Bob and Doug and uh, and others in that. It's great. Why uh, didn't uh, I uh, think uh, of that? Uh, uh, Max von Sydow. You can't go wrong with that dude. Yeah. Give in to the dark side of the force, eh? Hey. And, and and some <laughs> hockey player. Uh, the, the big the guy because it's Hamlet right I mean that's the whole thing with Strange Brew yes and so who's uh, is there a... well they're Rosencrantz and Geldenstern so I'm assuming that the big the big hockey blonde hockey player guy must be Hamlet uh, sure do, do you know what I'm talking about at all no I don't actually it's been a long time since I've seen Strange Brew but I don't remember that at all well no there's well, well okay so there's like a, like the lead male actor who's the hero wasn't he a hockey player He's like Wayne Gretzky or somebody. No, he wasn't an actual hockey player. I don't oh, think. I thought I don't, he was. I, don't, I, don't, I, I, I just remember Bob and Doug. Oh, <laughs> Max Monsado. Well, Max Monsado's in it, yeah. yeah. And also, the best part, though, is that they give a plum role. The female lead is Lynn Griffin. She's in Black Christmas. 
Oh. And she's the one with the bag movie. over her head. Really? Uh, that's my, one of my all-time favorite I, movies. I, I'm so glad I, they gave her a good I, I'm part. glad that you remembered to mention yes. Black Christmas on a pod. I thought you were going to forget. I also. Oh, like, by the uh, way, the voice this, of that, oh. Billy, it's uh, Nick Mancuso. Oh, and, yeah, and, and you haven't you, you haven't quite terrified. worked in uh, the no. Silent Partner. I think we, we, yeah. the, the, it was the first movie we did for our podcast, and it's uh, we watched it like a year, two years ago. So no, the first remember? one was Class of Nineteen. So, the first one that we actually oh, okay. uh, we actually uh, posted posted was yeah. Black Christmas, and it we, when I it's still fucking terrifying. It's, it's a masterpiece. I watch it it's once a year. But, but it's also great because it's Art Hindle in that big fur coat, and it's got yeah. Margot Kidder and uh, Andrew and, Martin. Yeah, it's, now, it's, it's, and I don't know if you heard this, but. Darren, his other job title besides like Black Dog Video and stuff, he is Art Hindle's nemesis. He hurt his feelings oh, hates, deeply uh, by trashing Face Off. I don't want to talk about the hockey movies. No, not the Travolta movies. I just bought the uh, DVD of Face Off online. The hockey one? Yeah. yeah. Like not the no, John not the, Travolta. No, no, no it's, hockey it, it, the, yeah. the hockey stuff's great. The rest of the movie's terrible, and oh, I was unduly terrible. I was unduly harsh when I I was on a, I guessed it on a friend's podcast. Mm. And uh, and I just I, I was unduly harsh on this movie because the rest of the movie is really terrible. Yeah. But the hockey stuff is great. Seeing all those great hockey it's players fantastic. and stuff, it's yeah. fantastic. I love and, that. Uh, and I was I I, I st- and after after we we posted it, Art Hindle tweeted uh, like something really terrible. And I I'm felt going terrible to kill myself it. because and I, and now, daring day. And now I feel I feel I, I it's like I've I've learned a lesson about what to say and what not to say when I'm talking about. Films on podcasts, even if I don't watch yeah. them that much, but like sure. at least point out some positive. Because, stuff. for example, like you hate the kids in the hall, you hate kids in the hall. You have a dartboard at home, and you're not going to admit that. Yeah, but you're the only one that dartboard. People put themselves out there. Yeah. It's true. It's, it's true. But, but yeah, I, I just I don't know. I, I should have I should have maybe. Anyways, it's a long it's a long story. It's not that interesting. But anyways, yeah. Art Hindle, if you're listening to this one, I apologize. <laughs> you're, I, I enjoyed you in Black Christmas. You, you know what uh, I Face love? Off is still a terrible movie, but I like parts. What I love is, by the, is, way. is by the way. Okay, in case you haven't noticed, Craig, because you're new to this thing. Uh, we we get progressively more intoxicated as, as the podcast I'm goes on. If there's any more of those, yeah. oh, <laughs> I'd like another if there is. I think we might. Uh, I think. I'm, I, I think. Know. Can we go across the street? Well, is there anything? Because we are like literally. Oh, th- no, there's none left. Oh, you have to, you have to do yours. Yeah. Yes. Forward. So I'll do mine, and, and, then, and then we'll wrap it I up. Got one. Yeah. I just want to oh, say yeah, though, yeah. in Face Off, he's his name is Billy, and they say Billy. Yeah. Bad noise in the script. What's the killer's name in Black Christmas? Steve. Billy. Oh, Ooh, I wonder. Yeah, he I wears the same the fur SCTV. coat too. Oh, the SCTV um, skit. It's warm. It's warm. Oh, it's great. Yeah, 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 we'll wait yeah, till yeah. we get yeah, I'll it. Drink that. Thank I'll you. drink it. Thank Axel Rudd. <laughs> okay, my pick. Yes. Uh, now again, the I have two. Oh, the, you're you're falling to Alex's territory. Although he had seven. There's one really. I have four. There's one really obvious one, uh, and I'm I'm, I'm not going to do it. Well, well, what's the obvious one? Uh, the obvious one is is uh, the Mr. Show movie, Run, Ronnie, Run. Yeah. I've yeah, never right seen now, it, I've actually. Never seen I've seen it. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's not great, but, like, you know, it's still, like, it's a sketch-based... Like, I love the spirit of Run, Ronnie, Run. But, yeah. Um, what's, your, what's your real pick? The real pick is another misunderstood comedy from a group of people who um, were just given a movie and 
just said, fuck it, let's do this thing, that, that, and, that everyone wound up uh, uh, misunderstanding, and that is the Monkeys movie, Head. Yeah. <laughs> That's a wonderful movie. I love Head. Wonderful Head is movie. great. It's a great movie. Head is fantastic. Head is the Monkeys finally going, like, enough with this being the fucking Monkeys TV-friendly shit, and let's just do something super weird and out there and, and, and drugged out, and Jack <laughs> Nicholson's it. He produced it, right, Jack Nicholson? Yeah. Anyways, I, 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 yeah, if someone comes up and... Because they'll probably be on drugs watching Brain Candy, and oh, so then okay. when that ends, they'll still be high for like another eight hours. So then, uh, well, like it depends that, what kind of drugs. Fill, fill your head with it's head. Apparently acid. Apparently acid. Yes. <laughs> and I do want to add yeah, in that, as well. That, that, Don't that, worry. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. I, 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 I think head is the logical oh, mm-hmm. pick to 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 be paired up with uh, uh, Brain Candy. Uh, now how? And if you haven't, anyways, it's. If you think you don't like the monkeys, watch Head because it's it's kind of like them trying to prove to the world. So that you'll, not you'll, just... either, you'll like the monkeys or you'll like them even less. Is that is that? Is if that you saying? like the monkeys, what? Mm. I love, <laughs> right. you might, I love you like the show and less. the movie too. I, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, it's. I don't know. For All some right. for some reason, Head was just it just flopped. I don't know. I, I guess so like that's... suburban. Uh, Suburban the, America couldn't handle it. I assumed everyone was going to pick pick a strange brew. I don't know. I, I just assumed. I, I was yeah. a great inspired pick. Thanks, I, thanks. I, I think so as well. Craig, now, Craig, well, 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 just, if, if you worked here, if if you haven't, and I don't know if it's a black dog, but uh, Dave Foley's movie. The wrong guy. The wrong guy. Oh, how yeah. did we I, how did I not think yes. of that? Of the wrong guy. I would pick because it's related to Brain Candy, and that there was a bit of a dialectic in the time because he was. Starting to make the wrong guy. Right. And uh, it's, to me, it's super fun. It is I, so it funny. Is. I've never super seen it. Great. And, seen and. It. I, I added it to the stock. We didn't have it oh, here. Oh, it's and so I, good. I found it somewhere right, like right. it was a neglected DVD in a Watch charity Dave store. Watch Dave Higgins. Higgins That's and Gruber, the comedy team, you might know. Uh, but, uh, so Steve Higgins, his brother is on, is Jimmy Fallon. He's the, the second banana. Um, uh, Dave Higgins in it is so great. And Colin Fiore is the bad guy. It's yeah. just I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this. I've I, never seen. Oh, it. it's and and Jennifer Dan Redican is is is, is, is the spoiler alert. Dan Redican from um, uh, Four on the Floor is or the Frantics rather is is the baddie in it. It successfully oh, has. It successfully the wrong guy successfully has like an airplane kind of logic to it. Man, when he comes across the murder scene and then. De- this scene and Dave Foley just does everything wrong. Like he just grabs the body and touches the face and gets blood all over the place. Yeah. By the way, here's the weird. You know who recommended that movie to me? I want a really good friend of mine, really really cool woman. I know in Montreal, Liz Four. She um, shout out to Liz Four. Well, the reason I'm shout getting out. this shout out though, I, I forgot about this. She did recommend that film to me, but Scott Thompson did a one man show that was right at the right before. 9-11 happened and then oh, the yeah. show got thrown off yeah she there was a venus character in a show like a nude woman that he sits on like a bench and stuff and he plays with her boob and stuff it's all this stuff <laughs> liz my old friend she played venus in the montreal version of the show she was a fan already but then the show <laughs> yeah. was supposed to go to toronto but everything went awry with 9-11 so the show got canceled but she was the one who recommended wrong guy and then amanda i didn't Why did see it right away because of 9-11 amanda who used to work here oh, well it's a long story it is but i i didn't uh i didn't uh yeah i didn't see the movie Walmart's right away book. i yeah. didn't i didn't see the movie right away and then i moved out this was back in montreal here and this from liz i move out here 
And then, yeah, Amanda, who used to work here, me and her are working together. And one time she mentions, yeah, this movie, The Wrong Guy, if you like kids and all, this movie's fucking well, hilarious. And no it. one's well, seen don't, it. Don't give too much away. I won't, I won't. But I found it for Tom's like, like movie. in a really? truly wow. neglected way. Yeah. I found it in like a charity store van for like a toonie and I put it in the stock. And it hasn't rented huge, like I recommend it when I can, but anyone who's ever rented it has come back and said it's hilarious. So, Wrong Guy is Craig's pick? Yeah. Well, Craig Northey of Odds fame and television and film scoring fame. Yeah. Thank Thanks you. For Thank you for on. taking your evening uh, out. I'm sure. Uh, sure. I'm sure. Highfalutin yeah. parties to be at, but instead you came down here to Black Dog. I want to make a, a recommendation in the worst joke ever, but oh. Craig Northey, you should collaborate with J.D. Souther. I don't know. That's a ter- that is a terrible. It's not the worst joke ever. No, no, it's not the worst joke ever. Is there anything you would like Sorry, to? Uh, is there anything you would like to plug, knowing that it's going to be about three weeks before this is actually posted? Well, we're we're, we're or, or where do you have a website? I, I will plug. Uh, I'm Cornergas Animated, which I already mentioned. Yeah. That's coming out second season, and uh, new sketch comedy show on CBC. I were, this is all, it's for real, called Tall Boys, that I'm, Bruce McCullough is the director, it's a new troupe, cool. cool, it's very funny. Yeah? So, is I'm, it, I'm scoring, is, is, is quick, that coming out question. sometime soon, or? Yes, next season. You know, those upfront things they're doing, CBC, they just did it with the troupe, and so, it's, so, it's out. So, Tall Boys. Tall Boys, yeah. Uh, and Odds are playing soon, I Yes, think? we are, we're, Canada but, Day. But that one guy yeah. didn't Will that work? Yeah, well, the, 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 this is going to be just before Canada. This okay, we're playing in Maple Ridge. Oh. Yeah, for Canada Day. Fantastic. Yeah. Nice. There you go. In the middle of the afternoon. Cool. Do you have any shows coming at the Rio? Uh, there's so other? much stuff happening at the Rio. Always something going on. I got Rio. two things. Listen, I'll just I'll leave it simple. Rio, check RioTheater.ca. Check out our website. Black Dog Video from Sunday to Thursday. The other place I work, we have awesome specials. Check out our specials yeah. online. The specials or are very special. On the signage in the window or wherever. Written on the chalkboard by yeah. our buddy boss. Tattooed in his back. Alex walked around naked a lot, so it's tattooed in his back. Yeah. So thank you to Craig Northey. Yeah, thanks, Craig. Uh, thank, thank you, Craig. You guys. Thank I you love to... it. We are located at 1470 Commercial Drive in always sunny East Vancouver. Yeah, 3451 Canby Street. It's Com- our mothership location. Commercial uh, Drive, if you're not familiar with it, it can be summed this way. Coronation Street meets Twilight Zone. It's a, think of something more Italian than Coronation Street. Coronation Street. Coronation. Is, that, is that better? <laughs> Please edit what that a way. guy. Yeah. <laughs> The Black Dog After Dark podcast is recorded at Black Dog Video on Commercial Drive in Vancouver, Canada. It's presented by Alex Chisholm, Darren Gay, and Dylan Reimer. It is produced by Dylan Reimer and Darren Gay. Alex just kind of stands there and drinks beer. The intro and outro music was recorded by Tiger Burning Bright, composed by Jeff, who works at Jefferson's Barbershop, also on Commercial Drive.